Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the immobile studio in the heart of Yorkshire, England. So I was making dinner last night and had the Dexter New Blood playlist going on on Spotify and on came Iggy Pop's Passenger. And I thought, wow, it only seems like yesterday that we sat down to start watching episode one. This series has just flown by and I kind of wish it was 12 episodes like the other season rather than just the 10. And I'm I'm sure we'll <laughs> come to that point again later on. But it's it's been a ride. And, and like all good fairground rides, it, it gradually picked up speed before getting pretty frenetic by the end. I've just about caught my breath now, which is a good thing because there's a lot of talking to do tonight. But if I get out of breath, I've got some support tonight to help. But before I get to my guests, I just want to say a thank you. I, I mentioned this on the episode nine feedback podcast last week. But if you didn't hear that, I just want to say again, thank you to everyone who sent feedback for the show I did with Scott Reynolds last week. I was thrilled to bits with how it turned out. But the response from you guys has been amazing. Thanks, everyone. So we've seen the finale. New Blood is over, and so is our favourite serial killer. Ooh, spoiler alert if you've not seen it. Reactions out there have been predictably passionate and diverse, but we're going to go over the episode together tonight, dissect it, and see if it's, or see if we feel if it's a, a fitting conclusion to the show. I've had loads of listener feedback sent in already, and I'll be doing a separate feedback podcast next week to go through it all with no new episode this weekend there isn't the same rush so I hope you'll understand me spreading them out a little of course that means when you hear this there'll still be time to send in your thoughts also probably the week after that it would be good to go through our top five new blood moments send in a list of your five favourite bits, maybe with some comment about the reasons and send them to the usual email address. And we'll have some fun with that, that in a couple of weeks time. After that, we may be done with New Blood, but I'll be going back to see how Dexter and Miguel's bromance is coming along as the season rewatch resumes. Now, there's a blast from the past. I'll probably get back to that in February. So stay stay subscribed to the feed. Finally. If you want to support the podcast in another way, you could become a patron for as little as one pound a month. Visit patreon.com slash dissecting Dexter if you'd like to do that. And of course, my eternal thanks go to each and every one of my patrons who have already done that. Particular thanks this week to my newest patrons, Jason and Adele. Right. Enough housekeeping. I didn't mean to do a particularly long intro as we've got so much to talk about. But let's see who is helping me to dissect the finale. On my left is someone who was reluctant to leave the campfire where he was having so much fun spinning yarns about the legend of Harrison and sticking pins in his Hannah McKay voodoo doll. It's Travis. Welcome back, sir. Howdy, Pilgrim. Welcome to or thank you for welcoming me to England, the land of Nancy dudes. Nancy dudes. Boy, Nancy boys, Nancy boys, but then dudes is like a cowboy <laughs> thing. Whatever. You're a city slicker. You know, you don't know what it's like down on the prairie. It's it's a pleasure as always. Thank you. <laughs> Sitting next to Travis, still basking in the afterglow of attending the New Blood premiere and getting a selfie with Dokes. It's great to welcome back Nick. Hi, Nick. 
Hello, Kara. Thank you again for having me. I do want to apologize ahead of time to anybody listening. I'm currently sick, so I sound like I've gone through puberty for a second time. I, my, my voice has dropped several octaves, so I do apologize for that. But I'm excited to be here. I wouldn't miss it for the world. So uh, looking forward to talking about the finale. Excellent. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on. If you're not feeling uh, on top of the world, uh, maybe we can um, distract you from your illness with some good decks to talk. Uh, and last but not least, making his debut on one of these roundtable reviews, having spent the season sending in some great voicemails, quoting Lost, and uh, if I remember rightly, making some Star Wars references. I'm delighted to welcome Chris. Hi, Chris. Happy to be here, Gareth. I'm especially happy to be here in such a lustrous company as Nick and Travis. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, glad uh, glad you could all join me tonight. Um, now, before we start, I, I think we should probably kick off um, before we start commenting on the episode itself. Just just lay our cards on the table and establish whether, broadly speaking, whether we like the finale or not. Now, I've, I've put it out there on social media already that I enjoyed it. Um, so let's just let's just go around the table. Uh, Travis, how did you feel about it? Uh, you know, this isn't the the praise that uh, Scott or, or Clyde would like, but I mean, it was all right. I I know that the, the opinions about it are divided. There's some major haters out out there. I had spoken with you previously, uh, Gareth, through message. The the narrative that I ultimately want to avoid is that this somehow retroactively makes season eight better. Um, it doesn't. Uh, they they did that with the Star Wars prequels, right? After Last Jedi tanked, everyone's like, "But you see, Attack of the Clones was secretly Citizen Kane," and that's not true. <laughs> um, I, I I I generally positive about this, but like everyone says, man, it's a little sloppy. I'm not in love with everything. A lot of the problems I had with this finale were problems I had with the whole season, Harrison. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and that's and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Fair dues. Uh, Chris. Similar to Travis, enjoyed the season as a whole. I found myself a little bit disappointed when we got towards the end of the finale, maybe the last 10, 15 minutes. Um, I sort of wrestled with myself whether or not that spoiled New Blood as a whole for me. I don't think it did. Um, But I think I, I did say to you, Gareth, that when thinking about coming on here today, I was really thinking, will I, will I go with my heart or will I go with my head? And I've decided just to sort of meet in the middle. I did enjoy the episode pretty much universally until I would say the end of it. From when Logan died, I feel as if it was just sprint to the finish line and get to where the, the writers and the creators ob- obviously wanted to get to. And for me, that sort of spoiled it and took a wee bit of the shine off it. So, y- gun to the head yep enjoyed it but not wholly okay okay uh nick broadly how did you feel about it um well i just finished watching it for the third time um i i I do think that my initial my initial viewing of it i was maybe a tad disappointed um for a lot of the reasons we've said here and to travis's point i i think that's a really important distinction made here there's been a lot of uh, toxicity or negativity out there and a lot of it has kind of come back to people suddenly saying season 8 is canon or you know the season 8 finale is suddenly so much better and I think that's important <laughs> to to avoid that um, 
I, I found it to be much more enjoyable on my second and third viewing. Um, I think we can all agree that it maybe needed another two episodes. Um, it, it's kind of perplexing to me that they went this route knowing that they only had 10 episodes to do it. Cause it feels like they should have, they should have started that, that downward slide towards the end, like a good two episodes ago. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm, I'm pleased with the ending. Uh, I, I think it could have yeah. been done better if it had been stretched out a little bit longer, but I'm pleased. Okay. So it's, so if we take an average reading, we're, we're probably thumbs slightly up as opposed to in the middle or down. Yeah, definitely that not my to be favorite the message episode of the season, for sure. No. Um, but certainly uh, it, ha- it has, it has, it, it lets, there's certain scenarios that I think we've all kind of wanted to see play out on this show over the course of the entire series that kind of, yeah. we get to see some of in this episode. And I think it should, deserves credit for that. Uh, I just wish it wasn't so rushed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it, it sounds like none of us, none of us hated it. <laughs> so damn I knew I should have invited Pink Unicorn 178 from Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just made that name up, by the way. Apologies if you are Pink Unicorn. Oh, no, no, he's going to get hate now. <laughs> oh, dear. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. OK, well, let's 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 get stuck into the episode. So it's New Blood, episode 10, Sins of the Father, original air date, 9th of January 2022. Teleplay by Clyde Phillips, story by Alexandra Franklin and Mark Mazinski. And directed by Marco Siega. We open with what we find out is a podcast that Molly had recorded about her time in Iron Lake and things she started to uncover. She confirms she went there because of Matt's disappearance, which we talked about earlier in the season. We speculated what brought her there when her podcast was all about serial killers and heinous horrible crimes why she'd travel for a rich kid who'd only been missing a day or two i don't know (laughs) it's what made us theorize early on that she might have been onto dexter already of course we know now that she wasn't but even if her reason for going there was a bit dubious what she found was going on there certainly did make for a bigger story just a shame she never got to see it through for now though i like the use of her podcast as a voiceover as we have that aerial view over the town ending up at Dexter's burned out cabin where Dexter scans an eye over the people there helping sift through the remains. It's done in slow-mo and on the wrap-up podcast they said this was filmed deliberately like this to be like how Dexter watched people back in the original series which I thought was a nice touch but all these good people he made a nice little cozy life for himself here and if things had been different perhaps he could have stayed there with Harrison But it makes sense that he wants to move on. He's eager to teach him the code, of course. And then Angela finds the titanium screw and it's another piece of the puzzle for her, all adding up to something horrific to do with Dexter. She's got all the pieces, really, even if we can still argue about the the ketamine M99 connection. Let's 
let's say it was a dubious way to lead her to the Bay Harbor butcher case, connected by some speculation on serial killer fan sites or mistakes in coroner reports. It still led her there and does create that cruel irony that I talked about last week with Scott, that it leads to Dex's downfall. Does uh, anyone have any thoughts on this opening scene at the cabin? I um, They almost got me. Uh, when they brought the show back, I was 100% sure you got to kill Dexter. I mean, you can't have him. As long as he's alive, there could be more Dexter. And they almost got me. When Dexter was like, yo, we need to get out of here right now. I was thinking, oh, maybe they will. Maybe that's the twit. I was thinking some usual suspect shit, right? Angela figures it out and she's like, get get Jim. We got to get him. And he's already gone with the wind, right? Ghosted her. Yeah, that's what I thought for a mm. moment. I was like, I, I kind of like this. Like, all right, maybe Dexter and Harrison Malibu <clears throat> dreaming together, you know, it, it, something like that. They almost yeah. got me. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny that he suggested they go to Los Angeles because uh, my first thought was like, it, are they saying Los Angeles because they want to do more seasons and it'd just be easier logistically yeah. <laughs> speaking to just say they're in the place where they're filming it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I like this opening scene quite a bit. It did kind of harken back a little bit to the way Dexter used to watch people in Miami Metro and and stuff, which was nice. Um, but it kind of led us to this moment where he tells Harrison that they need to move on. And Harrison was kind of like taken aback for a second. Like he seemed like he was shocked that he wanted to leave. And you got, it was, it was kind of like last week when Dexter's sitting there cutting up Kurt's body and Harrison's just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? And Dexter is just like blissfully ignorant of what his son is feeling at the time. Um, And it, it was like one of the first instances in the episode of which there are many where I got the feeling that that Dexter was projecting onto his son and and Harrison wasn't really exactly like him. You know, he wasn't really as just like detached and ready to move on at a moment's notice. Like he makes connections. He makes he puts roots down unlike Dexter. And I don't know, this is just one of the first moments where I kind of noticed yeah. it. But there's obviously bigger moments later. But I, I like yeah. this whole scene. There is a bit later on where I think Dexter makes a presumption that moving on is the only option for him and Harrison to continue. I think he says something like to continue what we do. I know you'll get to that, Gareth, but mm. I think that sort of started off the episode by trying to show us how selfish Dexter really was, especially with regards to his son. I loved that aerial shot. And I'm going to sound like a real hater here, but I really didn't like how Angela just wandered into the wreckage of the cabin. And, oh, my God, all of a sudden, oh, my God, there's the pin. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I just felt that was a wee bit too on the nose. It was it was convenient. Yeah, uh, I, 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 this is, you know, obviously there's logistical reasons why they do things like this. And yeah, and they probably have tons of footage and stuff, you know, to, to go through. But I keep forgetting that, you know in the, in the this day and age where we have streaming services and apps and whatever, like I watched this entire season uh, through the Showtime app, as opposed to like just having Showtime on television where they still have scheduled programming. So like they have to stick to an hour because they have to be able to fit within their scheduled programming. And I keep forgetting that because I haven't thought about TV that way in so long. Uh, so it's, it sucks that little things like that, like little details get shaved down to the bare essentials for the sake of time, especially when you only have one episode left. Um, but yeah. to Chris's point about 
how selfish Dexter is. I think, and we're gonna, this is obviously going to come back up a lot. I think so yeah. much of this episode um, was kind of designed to remind us as the audience how fucked up Dexter is mm-hmm. and how he's not really someone like he's not a normal person. He doesn't have feelings in the traditional sense. He's not someone to be rooted for, really. Um, if this, this episode is kind of like, hey, don't forget, this is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's honestly where a lot of the hatred is coming from, which is really kind of weird and creeping me out a little bit, <laughs> to be <laughs> totally honest. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of like weird comments I'm seeing online from people who hate the episode who think Dexter is this like figure to be idolized. And yeah. like so much of what they hate about the episode is that they feel like they did him dirty as like a person. And it's like, no, 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 this guy is real, real messed up. And, you know, as an audience, it, who can blame us for really kind of forgetting, like losing that point over the years because we've been watching him and rooting him for him for so long. But when you get right down to it, when you're getting towards the end, we have to be realistic about who this person is. Yeah, so I think that's I saw, what a lot of this episode's about. I, I, I saw uh, comments along the lines of this isn't the Dexter I know. And I think... He's always been like this. He's just at times done a good job of hiding it, suppressing it. And he's done I've, what he can to fit in. I, I've maybe engaged too many people on Twitter mm. when I when I tried I to avoid have. it. Mostly. I, I tried to as well, but there were some that I just like I couldn't quite like ignore. And so <laughs> many of them were like, he never kills people outside the code. And I was like, are we watching the same show? Like, <laughs> go back. Like he killed Liddy in season five. He killed Hannah's dad because he just wanted to. He killed that photographer back in season four. He was about to kill LaGuerta without a second's thought until mm. Deb walked in. Like, he is not a good person. <laughs> yeah. And so much of this episode is trying. And I think even back in episode nine, when Harrison is watching him cut up Kurt's body, I think there was, I, like, I personally was watching that. I felt grossed out. And which I yeah. think is a big part of why they were showing so like so graphically him like yeah. cutting off his arm and sawing through it because it made it made me kind of like the, I was like oh this really is really messed up yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which honestly I think is why I like I think I like the episode ultimately despite being rushed is that I I like that that's the approach they took like I feel like it would have been super irresponsible um bringing the show to an end without painting him as a villain of sorts. Yeah. Um, I mean, he can have his moment of uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, redemption, I guess. But you got to be real, be realistic about what he is. And I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, they 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 definitely. Um, and this is their intention. Having listened to I don't know if you've all listened to the wrap up this week. There's two two parts to it with Michael C. Hall and Jack Alcott on one and then Clive Phillips and the other two writers on on the other and um, they're very clear that it was their intention to depict Dexter as, as the villain at the end here, to, to remind everybody that actually at the core, he's a bad guy. He's, he's messed up. He's, it's not his fault. You know, he's born in blood and all that. But uh, he's not. He's not. A, I hate to use the word normal. It's what's normal. But you know what I mean? He, he kills people and he does it to satisfy his need. The, the, all the right. the good stuff, saving innocent lives that Harrison picked up on last week and was drawn to, that's secondary, isn't it? And we have to remind that's, ourselves of that. <laughs> every time Harrison said that, he kept because he kept repeating it. He said, yeah. uh, you know, saving mil- like hundreds of lives or whatever. Yeah. And when he first said it, I just got this feeling of like Dexter just saw the opening and just jumped at it and was like, mm. yeah, of course that's why I do <laughs> <Yeah>. this. Duh. <laughs> uh, and so every time he kind of 
repeated it and then just kind of like latched onto it i was like ah, dexter this is gross like you're you're like manipulating him because he yeah. wants to do genuine good and you don't really give a shit about that yeah so i think we spoke last week about dexter's use of white lies to justify what he was doing and that was another example of that where he like you just said nick he saw that and then he thought that's what harrison almost wants to hear and how he's justifying it to his to son and i think ultimately trying to justify it to himself in a way as well so yeah totally agree with that are you dexter morgan it's me harrison harrison you can't everyone close to you dies that's why we're here you're listening to dissecting dexter i don't know who you're talking about while we're on the subject and i don't know if this is going to come up again tonight and this is obviously probably a discussion for a different podcast but you know because there's a lot of talk right now about whether they're going to do a a second season or you know that harrison spinoff that we've all been theorizing about and i kept thinking to myself like if that's the route they want to go which by the way it turns out it sounds like clyde phillips really wants to do that (laughs) um that was the route they want to go i was like it it couldn't just be dexter 2.0 like it couldn't just be him harrison doing the exact same thing that his dad did and i was like how what would be the difference there like what what could they build upon and i was like i'm wondering if this is them kind of setting the groundwork for it because harrison's motivation is clearly very 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 different than his dad's he wants to actually help people and i'm wondering if that might end up being something they play around with if they decide to go the route of doing that spinoff uh not saying that i'm necessarily supporting that idea because i still need to be sold on it but that was just one of the things I kept picking up on because I kept repeating it over and over again. Mm. He did romanticise Dexter, especially last week. And I think they, they made various references about Batman and, and they, they referenced vigilante justice. And you're right, Nick, I think they were laying the groundwork there for what could potentially come if they do go down that route because Harrison's not just going to kill people and chop them up the way his dad does. They, they can't do that, especially with how the season's ended. Could they go down the route, and I know this is a discussion for another time, but could they go down that the route where Harrison legitimately does really go down the route of this is a bad guy, this is a killer, this is whatnot, I'm going to take this person out, and this is me justifying it, and I'm going to be a superhero in a way. Mm, they, should call I mean, the, the, they should call the spinoff The Dark Defender. Yeah. Oh, the the here we go. The Sunisher. <laughs> no. You know, does that not work? Do you get it? See what you did there. I was sitting on that one for minutes while you guys were gabbing. I was like, oh, oh, oh." you were just waiting, just just lying there waiting. (laughs) Okay, well, let's let's move on because things move pretty quickly from here. Um, as as does the whole episode. We're at Angela's house. Dexter's all jovial and chirpy. You wouldn't think his home and all his worldly possessions had just been incinerated. He's so cheerful. Julia Jones was so good in this scene. (laughs) I could almost sense a conflict within her, I I, I thought. I could be wrong. Perhaps a tiny part of her still hoping that it's not true. I I don't know that, that a boyfriend's not a murderer. My wife interpreted it differently, though. She thought Angela was just determined throughout. The little look before she got out of the car. She sort of looks down a little bit and pulls a face. Um, and my wife thought she's thinking, no, I'm, I'm just going to get you. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's almost a, a hint of regret. 
Um, did, did any of you think she seems a little sad that things have got to this point, or was she just building up to the moment where she pulled the gun? I think she was trying to psych herself up because she knew she had to go in there. It's like when you know you have to go like give a speech or something that makes you really mm. nervous, and you're just like, just kind of trying to like build the confidence that you need to go in and do it. Because when the moment comes, when she's in the kitchen and he goes in for the hug or whatever, and it's just like, she's like, now's my chance. I got to do it. She seems really like, uh, really nervous and just very quick. Like she pushes him away, draws her gun and just like yells at, like says what she's going to say, but like really fast, like that like nervous, like, like fast speech. Uh, so my interpretation of it was that she was just like, I got to do this. I know I've got to do this. It sucks, but I got to find whatever it is I need to do it. Yeah. I think sending Harrison and Audrey out for the the food and, and also having Logan as a backup really shows that she was always going to do it. But it was just getting to that point was obviously the tricky part for her. And obviously, mm-hmm. she's had this almost two-year relationship, I think, with Dexter. So there's obviously going to be a small part of her that thinks can I do this? Do I want to do this? Should I do this? Am I right? Am I wrong? So there's, there's obviously a lot of inner conflict going on. And I suppose it's a good job uh, done by the actress that's playing her that so yeah. uh, conveyed that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to point out that <laughs> I feel like I feel like Angela does not have a good poker face because the moment she walked into the house, I was like, I know Dexter's not picking up on this because, duh, he never picks up on this <laughs> stuff. But like, I was like, ooh, something is not right. And you can just see it in her face. Um, which again, I think is a testament to the actors. Like we, as the audience, kind of knew it, and like Dexter is just completely oblivious to this, which is an, uh, you know, another thing I really liked about this scene a lot. Um, and so much of this season has been like about, you know, Dexter being uh, out of practice, being rusty, um, and now that he's like he's like super happy about what's going on with his son. He's like even more blind to what's going on in front of him. So the whole dynamic in the scene, I was like super uncomfortable because I knew I knew what was coming. It was but it was just like, oh, man, this is this is rough. Watching this is rough. Mm. Yeah, good scene. It was pretty tense with Dex kneeling there on the floor. And they had that great shot of him um, of looking in the reflection of the toaster and seeing the knife set next to it. And Dexter actually started to reach for it when Logan came in. I, I can't imagine his arm would have got far, though, with a gun pointing no. at him. No, that was the second moment of the episode where I was like, don't forget, audience. He will <clears throat> stab her to death in a second if it means saving his own skin. Yeah. Um, I was just about and... to actually mention that. They, they really honed in on the, was it the toaster, the reflection of yeah. Angela behind. And it, it was so, it was subtle, but it was it was there, Nick, like you said. To make you think if he has to do this to get out of this bind he will do it and it's bringing it back to what we said earlier he is a monster we root for him because we love him as a character but deep down if he has to kill this woman who he's had a relationship who he's telling that he loves um every two seconds in the previous episodes hmm. he will do it and obviously we see uh, what goes on later on with logan as well yeah I, I think i think it's come up a few times over the course of the season on on the podcast um people kind of wondering if his relationship with Angela was genuine or was it just more camouflage? And I think this is kind of the moment where we definitively got our answer. Cause if that had been Rita, I don't think he would have done it. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't think he would have stabbed Rita to, to get out of that situation, 
but the fact that he even considered it here, I think says a lot about what his actual place is in Iron Lake, which is yeah. pure camouflage. Yeah. He, he, he had his cozy moments through the season where he said, yeah, is this, this is what I want having a family around me, but we've, we've always acknowledged Dexter as an unreliable narrator. And was he just trying to convince himself that this is, this is what he wants. Um, I mean, Dexter or Harrison killing Angela was a theory that, that quite a few people had for the finale. And I bet in that moment, all of those people thought they could be right. But yeah, it sounds like Nick certainly and, and Chris, you think that given the chance he would have knifed her. Travis, do you think he would have taken her out if he? If Hell been able? yeah. I yeah. think he should have taken her out. I know we're kind of <laughs> oh, hopping, around. We're hopping <laughs> around, but Logan as like the sacrificial lamb. Fuck that. Who cares about Logan? <laughs> What's his ass? Her- Her- no, put that hand down. Harrison. <laughs> Only knew him for like three weeks or something. Come on, coach, put me in the game. No, man. Angela would be the sucker punch where he kills Angela and everyone. I'm like, ah, that's your girl. You can't do that. But he kills Logan. And I was like, yeah, man, he should have done what he said. I'm kind of on Logan uh, Dexter's side. Like, man, he, you had simple instructions. What are you doing, Logan? Don't be a hero. He says it. Come on, Billy. Yeah, Don't does. be a hero. Yeah. But Travis, and there's definitely something to Logan. He's hiding something. There's definitely it, more to him. You and Kyle, you're on the same. You're on the same. <laughs> it, anything could happen. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, not in that moment. Whatever. The, sh- the episode had to play out. But like, I think for sure there's a scenario where Dexter kills Angela. And Logan, who's who's sort of a surrogate father figure, allegedly, to Harrison. Logan's the one who who finds him in the woods. Like, you, you son of a bitch. Dexter, how why'd you do it or whatever? Yeah. Um, that and would I, make us all hate, hate make Dexter hate Dexter because I don't hate Dexter for killing Logan. Although I mean we're we're hopping around. Who? What is this? We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> whatever. It's, it's sometimes it's hard not to, isn't it? <laughs> I don't hate him killing him. Although he needed better reason for it. Uh, the dude just needed to chill. He would have walked. Yeah. He would have had a very awkward conversation with Batista, but he would have walked. Yeah, they, had, they didn't have nothing on it. I, I wonder if there was a version of the script. I know they they always had that end game in mind uh, with that final scene. Uh, they've said that on the podcast this week. But I wonder if there was a version of the scripts that they or, or that whether they considered what you just said, Travis, that actually Dexter takes Angela out here and Logan's the one that's that's there at the end. Um, that would be interesting to know. Anyway, they they um they go to the police station. And we get the first of two, what I thought were fascinating interview scenes. Uh, Angela's not messing about. She's deadly serious. And you can see Dexter tries to take control of the conversation, uh, manipulate things, suggest he's been set up by Kurt, which which actually might have ended up providing enough reasonable doubt to avoid it going to trial. However, it's the connection to the butcher that would have been a lot harder to wriggle out of, especially once Batista turned up with LaGuerta's files. And although the Kurt setup theory is plausible and, and Logan points that out and Angela knows there's a lot more to this than just Matt, but she holds back from telling Logan. I thought um, Jones and, and Hull were both fantastic in these scenes. Um, what did you think of this first interview, Chris? Both interviews were great, well acted, really, really suspenseful. My main thought um, coming out of it was how cocky Dexter came across. He has a line where he says something 
it might not be verbatim to Angela, I'm really worried about you. Mm. He's all he's manipulating her and he's throwing it back to her. And I think Travis is right. Really, ultimately, what she had on him and him using the excuse or the what happened with Kurt and once he sent her to see those bodies, he was fine. He just had to play it calm there. But the main thing that stuck out to me was almost like. I think we mentioned earlier with Nick how they were going out their way to show us certain elements of Dexter's character. And again, in this in this scene, certainly both scenes, we've seen Dexter is really calm, really cold and throwing things back and almost quite cocky and unlikable in a way. And that's difficult for me to say because ultimately I love the show or root for the character. So, But both scenes were great, really tense. Um, really loved the moment. I think it's in the second part, so I won't jump ahead, where he tells um, Angela to, to turn off the camera. It really mm. shows how much control he has over, um, even though he's the one in handcuffs, he has complete control in that situation. So, yeah, excellent scenes, really well acted, brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, Dexter and Logan end up alone in the police station, and Logan brings him some food, and, and, and Dexter immediately makes conversation, but his words... Again, it just feels like he's trying his luck with manipulation Um, for Logan, despite some doubts earlier in the season. It turns out he really is a decent guy. He takes Harrison food and even suggests Harrison might remember something that would help exonerate his dad. He's, He's just not of the same mindset as Angela. He's he's not written Dexter off as a killer. Nick, I think you had a theory early on that it would be revealed that Kurt wasn't acting alone and that maybe Logan and or Edward Olsen would be involved. Now, I'm quite yeah. glad that Logan ended up being a good guy. But as for Olsen, he was just a red herring. He now, went what, back what, to his home planet. He Remember? did. <laughs> yeah, he went well, back to, to Poochie Town or wherever. Oh, man. my I was watching it with my wife, and she said, uh, and I thought it was actually a really interesting idea. Because, you know, while we were watching it, I was still not sure if they were going to be setting up another season or, or what was going to be going on. Um but when Dexter eventually, and I know we're jumping ahead again, but Dexter sends her to Kurt's cabin to, to find the bodies to give her the proof she needs. Um, and I was like, and my wife's like, she's going to go into that basement and all the bodies are going to be gone. And she was like, Edward Olsen would have gone in and like cleared them out. And I was like, oh shit, you might be right. And then it didn't happen. Uh, so yeah, the Edward Olsen thing was just a great big red herring. And you know, yeah. um, they made a mistake. I, I, they were way too open about who people were being cast as in the show. I mean, obviously you see Clancy Brown cast. It makes sense that he would be cast as the bad guy. He's, he's kind of typecast like that. So when you see his name attached to something, unless it's SpongeBob, it's like, Oh, he's the bad guy. Um, And even, I guess in in SpongeBob, I guess he's kind of the bad guy, but um, you know, the moment they announced him as being cast as the big bad, it was like, so why are you bothering with the red herring thing? Mm. I was like, that that's the only reason I was thinking like Edward Olsen's gonna come back is because there's no point in trying to mislead us as the audience when you basically told us from the very beginning that he was the bad guy. Um, yeah. So I thought that was a bit odd. And not to mention the guy they the Edward Olsen, the guy the, the actor they cast as Edward Olsen is like always the bad guy, just like Clancy <laughs> Brown. And he would have been a great villain, I think, or a great bad guy uh in in you know, the Dexter world or whatever. So I was really kind of shocked to at least not see him pop up at the last second or as like a tease or something. Uh, it was kind of a letdown. Yeah, well, I, like, oh, go on. So I was just going to say, like like you said, Travis, he's just been beamed up back to his planet. He just, mm-hmm. it's like he'd just been 
like one of those grabbers at the fairground grabbing a toy <laughs> the claw <laughs> and there he goes come Oof. yeah uh, I, speaking I, to uh, audrey wasn't it it was that was his last scene wasn't it yeah at the roadside I, I know i will give the the writers i guess the producers the benefit of the doubt let's just say they don't have control over marketing yeah. right they don't yeah i mean yeah. you would assume they i don't know they're in charge clyde's got some say in what how the final trailer looks maybe not i don't know so maybe they're not in charge of marketing they're not in charge of press because you know i for example wouldn't have put out john lithgow was in the show because here we are thinking this man's gonna win another emmy and this well, dude this dude showed up for about 90 minutes to shoot his scene and then left uh, you know apparently john lithgow just let that slip on like a talk show or something uh, and clyde phillips was like oh my god uh, all right it's going in the show I think they were actually trying to keep. I, I heard Clyde Phillips talking about this. They, they were going to actually try their best to keep Deb a secret as long right. as they could. Yeah. And John Lithgow just casually answered a question on a morning talk show and said that he'd filmed scenes and it, it was great reconnecting with Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah. And then they went into panic mode and thought, we're going to have to cobble something together here. Just yeah. picking up on the Edward Olsen thing, do you guys think he was purely there for us? or just casual viewers to go well maybe Edward Olsen is the guy behind the mask for the first couple of episodes just to, to add a wee bit of intrigue because I found yeah. that really strange as well because yeah. it was all over the first few episodes that was my yeah, point I mean, when I when I brought up the uh, um the marketing right like maybe they couldn't control that they put out that Clancy Brown's a bad guy I don't know but yeah I thought I mean even I'll go ahead I'm gonna give the haters some some hater raid right now um yeah, I thought that Edward Olsen, get him out of here. He could have been Kurt, uh, you know, the simplify the script. Uh, what's her name? Audrey. She could have been boycotting Kurt. I don't know, because you're using these diesel trucks that are pumping gas into the atmosphere. You're cut. You're logging. You're cutting down the goddamn forest. The squirrels got nowhere to live this winter. You know, like they, they could have simplified it. But he he didn't even look like when we saw my man in the ski mask. We all were like, that's Kurt. And the only reason we doubted ourselves because we were like, well, surely they wouldn't have this dude here for nothing, right? But he has he has cursed frog eyes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, uh, I think sometimes I forget that not everybody is like us in terms of like following <laughs> the production yeah. from, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people, the day the show premiered, had no idea Clancy Brown was even in it. Kind of thing. So I feel like the Edward Olsen thing was more for those people. Uh, and it's just, you know, the people like us be damned, like whatever. We'll have to stomach it for a few a few episodes and just be like, I know the answer, but whatever. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I It just well, it still seems strange to me. <laughs> well, we've got a really myopic view, I suppose, watching it in the moment in the grand scheme of things, uh, presuming humanities goes on and on and on this will be watched by more people who never saw a fucking trailer for it than not true, right true yeah. right so yeah. i mean maybe maybe you're watching it and you you're sitting there eating your popcorn breathing through your mouth not paying attention <laughs> and you're like this is great you know but for us who we're you know gareth's got a podcast he's got to put out we're you in know? we're in the minutia yeah. of, of yeah. the whole thing and we're just like edward <laughs> olsen more like edward Fuck, that doesn't rhyme. I was gonna say I, Edward Forsen. That doesn't mean rhyme. Uh, but you're telling me, you're telling me that if when when Audrey's car broke down on the side of the road and she had accepted his offer to like stay warm in his truck or whatever, you're telling me if she had gotten to that truck, she wouldn't be dead right now because 
pretty yeah. sure he's still a serial killer. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> we'll never know. He, unless he, he brought, shows up in the spinoff. He brought hot cocoa to the protesters. The man's a saint, and you need to stop slandering him before someone gets you in trouble. Probably paid for that, that himself. They could yeah. bring him back for the spinoff. Like, what if the spinoff is like Edward Olson just going after Harrison for when, he, when he finds out that him and his dad took out Kurt? There we go. That's, there you go. Yeah. Well, you anything heard, could you, happen. I, you heard my QAnon theory. I'm, I'm bummed that I didn't, I didn't strike gold with that. That, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> There's no yeah. justice, is there? There is no justice. Not when, not when Harrison drives off into the sunset and Dexter lays bleeding in the snow. You know, after Miami, you never get used to this damn cold. I thought you didn't know me. You were right. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'm Dexter Morgan, your father. So where, where do we leave Dexter? So yeah, he's um, I mean, he, he's he's in his cell, isn't he? Logan's brought him some food, and I, I think at this point Dexter still thinks he can talk his way out of this one. But Angela has a turn looking up at the moon, and it's it's like she's she's hell bent on getting him, and. If, if she can't make Max, Matt's murder stick, she'll roll the dice on something else. So she picks up the phone to Batista. Something that made me smile after sharp-eared listeners picked up Scott accidentally referring to it last week, which passed me by in the moment, but on, on listening back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was good I to totally see Batista again. Yeah, me, me too, when I was talking to him. And then and then someone pointed it out, and it was on Reddit, I think. Um, And, yeah, yeah, it was there. Anyway, yeah, it was good seeing him again. And and I loved how he very hurriedly said, oh, I'm a happily married man. Um, yeah. Strange woman who I've never met before. Yeah, so we've, we've got our answer to the wedding ring thing. Yes. Yeah. Like, who would have thought that that like I thought people I was like, people are really latching on to this wedding ring mystery. Yeah, like, me included. At, yeah. I was like, <laughs> this is really getting some traction. And yeah. who, who's like, we're never going to get an answer to that. And we totally did. Yeah. Did, I got anybody, did anybody else pause? on his emails and have a read yeah oh yeah i was going to say oh, yeah. misuka's getting married yeah bless him yeah. about damn time Bit of uh people i the funny thing is i saw several people like like tweet the the screen cap of the email whatever and they're like misuka's getting married quinn is alive i was like what do you mean quinn is alive like did people <laughs> did a bunch of people just assume quinn was dead or something like this is a strange thing but i saw several people say that i was like i thought well, that was just he survived this long they just didn't these... die of hep C or some something you got from. <laughs> I'm gonna from be honest. I'm gonna be. Yeah. I, my I was watching. Uh, my wife had never seen past season. I think three or something. And when, like a year ago, when New Blood was announced, we started going through it, and she was like, "I'm finally gonna watch the show." So we got through it, and I was like, "I'm not gonna say anything about Quinn, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see if she notices." And then she started picking up on like he gets skinnier and skinnier in every season. Yeah. I'm like, I, yeah, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. But yeah, I, I guess I wanna, guess that's what people are alluding to. I don't want to shame <laughs> the man, but just the character. You remember the last time I remember before, you know, he's on again and off again with Deb. He was with some Russian stripper and he like murdered a guy in cold blood for her. That guy, he he needs to be dead, man. He, maybe that's where Harrison's going. Harrison's like, I got to I got to take out Uncle Quinn. Yeah, Quinn's next. Yeah, <laughs> fits the code. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so Batista, it's like, 
I, I'm a married man now. Like, it's okay to flirt when he's out on the road, but not when she's calling it's him at home. Different area. <laughs> it's different area codes. Maybe that's an American thing. You yeah. know, it doesn't count when you're abroad. The cheeky monkey. No comment. Anyway, I didn't, so- I didn't believe Scott when Scott was like, yes, it was intentional for him to have the ring on. I was like, yeah, right. You trying to cover your ass, son of a bitch. In, retros- in but- retrospect, he only was comfortable saying that with such definitiveness because he knew the scene was coming. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't believe it. I was like, oh, whatever, Scott. All right. Yeah. But no, they answered it in the show. So, yeah, fair play. Um, but of course, what Batista has to say only underlines Angela's suspicions. It, it seems like and, and and we've seen them, actually, the files LaGuerta compiled about her, her private investigations into the butcher and Dexter. This came up earlier in the season on on this podcast. I forgot who who brought it up, but someone was like, didn't didn't Batista have all of LaGuerta's files from her investigation? Yeah, someone and did. like and I, someone was pointing out, like, I, I, are they ever going to do anything with those files? And sure enough, here they are. They did. <laughs> yeah. Like, I never would have thought that would have happened. Yeah, and that was, I mean, that, that could have been a, you know, a smaller detail that might have been, who knows, might have been forgotten, but fair play, they they brought yeah. that back. I like that, because um, they did address the, the kind of the flimsiness of her case against Dexter with, with Matt, and she said several times, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it stick, and then she taunts him with, uh, you're going to have a little chat with your old friend Batista, Yeah. and I think that was the moment where it was like, well, Batista could unravel this whole thing because his whole like he faked his death. He left. So like that would never, ever come up again. But Batista has information and knowledge that could make that could certainly blow this whole thing wide open. Maybe not concretely like he may he may have gotten out of it, but it's kind of like one of the situations like Dexter is like being backed into a corner here. And it's kind of like, does he want to risk finding out what Batista knows or what Batista has that could potentially you know, expose him, or does yeah. he want to just get out of get out of dodge? Yeah, I think a lot of the discourse online comes from this scene, and they were really heavily teasing a Batista Dexter reunion slash showdown, and then failed to deliver. And I think yeah. a lot of people were saying, "Why? Yeah, it was great, like Gareth said, to see Batista again, but why tease True. it and not deliver?" And I think mm. that was I, stuck I, in a I lot think... of notes. I think that's probably one of my biggest gripes with the episode. I mean, from the very beginning, I was, or actually, I guess from when we first saw Batista back in episode five or whatever it was, um, I was thinking to myself, like, now that Batista's here, like he's he's made an appearance once. Who's to say he's not going to show up again? And maybe he's that's the confrontation we're going to get at the end. So I've been kind of waiting for it as well. It was great to see him. Um, but it is, yeah, it's perplexing that he showed up and then they just dropped it. Well, um, to to, mm-hmm. to make another itchy and scratchy reference, it was like they were driving to the fireworks factory. And all <laughs> Millhouse wanted to see was them go to the fireworks factory. But we had to stop for this stupid Poochie shit. But in this instance, <laughs> Poochie isn't Edward Olsen. Poochie is, I don't know, Harrison sleeping with Audrey again in a tie-dye <laughs> t-shirt. I don't know. We all wanted Harry. We all wanted Daniel to go to the the fireworks factory. Yeah, we absolutely did. Um, it was yeah. I mean, it, it, I would have liked to have seen them be face to face as well. But it, within the story, Dexter had no intention of allowing that to happen, and I understand why. I mean, story wise and character wise, 
in the circumstances, what sense would it have made for Dexter to linger just for a, just for us to have a face to face? And would if it had happened, would we have been criticising him for not trying to get out of there sooner? It, it would have been nice to see both their reactions, but would it have been fan service at this point? I mean, some critics are using this as one of the big sticks to beat the writers for. But honestly, I've got no problem with it. It would have been a nice to have, but I'm, I'm OK with how it played I, I think out. There's I think there's something to be said about subverting expectations. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, they tease they set up something and then didn't deliver on it. But like, you know, that's, sometimes that's how shit goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes those those stars al- seem like they're going to align, and they just don't. And that's just that's just the way things go. Yeah. So, I, I think they deserve some credit, I, I guess, for that. Yeah. But, you know, I can understand yeah. being disappointed as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm okay with this, but if you ask me about whether Han, Luke, and Leia should have had a, a scene together in the Force Awakens, and then we'll have an issue. All right. <laughs> so we'll move on. <laughs> I'm gonna guess your answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> would have been nice yeah so um yeah back to dexter um the the second interview scene yeah so i I found that one even more compelling than the first one and and michael c hall was was on the top of his game here some very subtle expressions and movements and they talk about this on the wrap-up this week it's brilliant work how, how the mood of the scene changes as dexter starts to feel feel the ground kind of starting to give way beneath him you can you can see it and then when she mentions the drug dealer's report that he got stuck with a needle they they edit it back to dexter and you see him you see a swallow yeah. <laughs> which i thought was an, a nice edit um now i've i've had differing reports about whether wheel marks stay visible like that after death um i i can't confirm either way but for the purpose of a fictional story i'm i'm, I'm fine with i think that. it's one of those things we just kind of have to be okay with <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's fine it, it's a fictional story isn't it <laughs> some things you um, just have to all right okay absolutely and also i think it's 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 a fun scene because up until this point you got to remember that dexter had no idea that she had started to put these pieces together oh. so like when she oh. when she sl- throws down that picture of yes. of the autopsy report from the bay harbor butcher like he's like what is happening (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so she makes the connection between the needle marks uh here that she's she's found here locally and those on the butcher victims and also mentioning the connection of the same drug which from we know from her perspective is ketamine this is of course another (laughs) sticking point for critics and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast I, I just want to give I do want to give props I, I do want to give props because when Scott Reynolds was on the show last week and he talked mm. about kind of why they came up with this and 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 what their like I was sitting here racking my brain trying to figure out like why ketamine would have been in that that uh article that she found or whatever and you know aside from him talking about them wanting to like find an excuse to use the ketamine song whatever I get it but I think it was far more plausible and far far more important that like he was likening that website that she found to like kind of an online and like what do they what do they call them like armchair detective website yeah where they like kind of collect serial all killer bunch of, enthusiasts <laughs> yeah and like and and the theory being that like the Bay Harbor butcher sedated his victims and with you know one of the you know one of these commonly used sedatives and it was like ketamine in 99 and whatever like i found that to be incredibly plausible it's just one of those cases where it's like why did they not make that more obvious 
in the scene. Like, I find it to be perfectly plausible uh, as, as you know, an ex- explanation. Mm-hmm. But telling that to most people is not going to satisfy them. They need to see it with their own eyeballs on on the screen. Yeah. So it's it, it kind of sucks having to be like, it's like, oh, well, you should, you know, go listen to Dissecting Dexter. He talks about this yeah. in, the, in the interview or whatever. Like, that's not going to be good enough for some people. Yeah. And I, t- I get it. So yeah. I think they should have made that more obvious. Yeah. The vast majority of fans don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so of course, those websites could be littered with with theory and, and, and speculation. And there was also the idea. And that, inaccuracies. And inaccuracies. That there was the idea that ketamine and M99 can sometimes get confused in, in coroner reports. Of course, we, we know the butcher bodies were ruined by Dexter himself. So the accuracy of any tox screens would be severely reduced if they even happened but without the drug connection we've got the needle marks and a lot of circumstantial evidence that has helped make Angela even more suspicious now she now she knows from Batista that LaGuerta suspected Dexter might be the butcher and he's on his way with the files so let me let me ask you this and I think it's important for anyone listening to us and wondering how we could like the finale so much. Within the show, we can agree that there is nothing official from the police that the butcher used ketamine. And Angela finding the link to the butcher is perhaps based on a, a an irony um, and, and um, a fortuitous connection that she stumbled upon, like we talked about last week. And if so, in a fictional TV show about a serial killer who chops up bodies for kicks, can we accept this? And if not, can we forgive a possible plot hole to focus on the wider story of the character of Dexter Morgan, which I would argue is the most important thing. Um, and, and, and clearly from a lot of the reaction online, a lot of people can't move past that that issue. That's that's still a big, yeah. a big problem. Yeah, it's a, the word I used is like it's inelegant, like it works and we have to accept it because, I mean, what the fuck else are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, we, you know, it's, it's, it, we watched it. We, it's done. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it is inelegant the way that they got to where they got. But it's fine. Dexter getting caught. I have no problem with anything. Dexter getting caught. Dexter getting killed. I don't got any problem with any of that. Um, I, I think um, I, I think you made a good point in that you really need to ask yourself while you were watching the season. Were you engaged? Were you having fun? Were you enjoying the story? Just like the broad strokes of the story, which mm-hmm. I think all of us here were more or less. Um, and and also I would point back to those first four seasons, which everyone loves, um, which was Clyde Phillips. And I think a lot of people are looking at this and now like putting those on a pedestal, kind of like what Travis was talking about earlier with some, suddenly pretending like season eight was amazing. Um when it's like you go back and watch those seasons, those seasons had plenty of their own inaccuracies, plenty of their own inconsistencies and suspension of disbelief. Um, so I, I don't feel like this is this season of Dexter is any more uh, egregious of those things as as the previous seasons, um, mm-hmm. especially the later seasons, because you know, they took some real liberties in, in the Scott Buck days. Um mm-hmm. I think, obviously, yeah. as time has passed, the way we watch television has changed. The way that we analyse and deep dive into television has changed. If you relate it back to the first four seasons of Dexter, I was just about to echo Nick's point there. I don't think 10, 12, whatever years ago or so, there wasn't as many podcasts. I know, obviously, 
there was some, but there wasn't as many. There wasn't deep dives into every episode, and we weren't um, speculating about every single thing. And I think if you went back and watched seasons one to four, we could pick holes in it all day long. It's a show about a serial killer that we root for. You need to suspend disbelief in the end. And I think as time passes by, the people who are really strongly against the finale at the moment, I think that will soften. And when it's viewed as a whole, I think it will be viewed really differently. And I think that's why, I said to Gareth before we started, I think that's why I'm leaning towards thinking it was it was a good episode, it was a good season, rather than harping on about all of the inaccuracies, all of the things I didn't like. Yeah. You can pick holes in anything, even the thing that you mm. love the most. And I think when you do love something so much as well, you tend to start to, you want perfection and you have this image in your head when you want this to happen and you want Edward Olsen and this big syndicate of bad guys and you want Dexter to do this and that. It just, it doesn't work like that. Um, I spoke to Gareth just before we started and it was Diana, I think, last week. Uh, Diana, really, yeah. yeah. Diana, she'd related mm. it to, to Game of Thrones and how much we invested in the books and the story and and, and I think it's really, really similar. I, like um, Travis and Nick just said, I don't have a problem Dexter died. I don't have a problem with what happened. I just really feel, and I think you mentioned it earlier, Nick, that we could have had another two episodes just to let it breathe a wee bit and get to where we got to with a bit more, especially with, with regards to Harrison and Dexter, um, a bit more of um, one-to-one with them and potentially teaching the code and having discussions about things. I don't have a problem with they got to. I just feel as if it was a wee bit rushed. Hmm. I, I am really curious. I'm, I'm not sure if we'll ever get an answer to this, but it is really perplexing, especially now seeing kind of where they went and how they got there. Why this was greenlit from the from the very beginning as ten episodes, when every other season was twelve. Um, ten seems strange, and, and not to mention with Dexter being Showtime's like biggest property, I think by by a mile. Like I think Dexter is probably one of their most successful properties. Um, you would think if they were going to go all in and do a reboot and bring it back even if it was for one season they would just do the full 12 episode order and i think in this case it needed it um but to their credit where they when they got to episode 10 and we were thinking to ourselves they got so much ground to cover how are they going to wrap this up in an hour i'm pretty impressed by how they (laughs) they managed to do it um yeah because i because i don't think even though like the events feel like they could have breathed, like breathed more, like he said, we I don't think we ever saw a dip in like performances or production value. Like it was a beautifully shot episode. It was a beautifully acted episode. The emotional moments that were supposed to hit, I think landed. Um, it's just, it's just kind of strange. I, I, I would love to get some inside baseball and find out why they went with 10 instead of 12. Because I bet there's an interesting yeah. answer in there somewhere. The only thing yeah. I can comment is Ten's uh, just the, the new hotness, right? Shows used to be 24 episodes a season. Then Sopranos made them all go to 12. Then Netflix made them all go to 10. And now I think even some shows are eight. Like some prestige shows on streaming, they're oh, eight episode limited uh, series or something. Mayor of Easttown, I think, was was... I think eight episodes. Yeah. And, you know, I think it might have something to do with, with it being classified as a limited series. It's like, a tax thing. Yeah, they don't want the t- California's going to tax them more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, do you think yeah. when Showtime started to see 
the response because it was overwhelmingly really positive until the finale. And I think I read something there that the finale has broke all sorts of records for Showtime. Do it you has, think yeah. the season was progressing and it was getting so much positive feedback that somebody in the Showtime offices was sitting going, oh my God, Dexter's going to die at the end of this. This is the end. Can <laughs> Frantically on the on the phone to Clyde Phillips, can you reshoot the last scene? Can we yeah. keep him alive? Can he, can he go off and be a, a lumberjack somewhere else? You think that's a, like inside uh, baseball that you said? I, I do think um, a lot of this hinges upon Michael C. Hall because I do think the only reason he agreed to do this in the first place was that he wanted to give the character closure. Um, like the moment they started talking about this and the moment Michael C. Hall was like, I'm ready to do this. Uh, and he started talking about how he felt about the ending and how it, it wasn't satisfying. He wanted to give it closure. I was like, well, he's going to die. Like, yeah, you can tell he wants him to die, which is fine. I just think there's so many, it is such a passionate fan base and that's fine too. But part of that passionate fan base is also passionately against him dying which is kind of a strange thing, but you know, Michael yeah. C. Hall cer- certainly seemed like he wanted him to die from the very beginning. Yeah. And Clyde Phillips. Yeah, that, well. that's right. With Clyde is um, the showrunner. He's never made any secret that he felt like Dexter should be ultimately held accountable mm-hmm. um, for, for his, all, all the bad stuff that he's done. So the, the writing was on the wall, wasn't it? Um, right mm-hmm. from the start. And, and, and there's a lot of people, you know, again, going back to like all of the negativity that's kind of very loud right now. A lot of people are are kind of acting like this, like the writing wasn't on the wall. Like they, like I was like, when they first started talking about this from the very beginning, it sounded like this is a one and done thing. We shouldn't expect, you know, multiple seasons. We shouldn't expect Michael C. Hall to do this for another eight years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah we should be happy that we're getting 10 more episodes with Michael C. Hall as Dexter and, but don't expect him to come out the other side of this wanting to keep going. But I think a lot of people were, despite the fact that they were trying to set expectations from their very beginning. So. Yeah. Well, Scott said last week that Michael was, um, it was only the story uh, that that brought him back the idea for the story and, and this um exploring what would happen with the teenage harrison he, he he never had any interest in coming back just to do another season of dexter with you know a killer week and and, and a big bad uh, overarching the, the the season he he wasn't interested in that he'd done it um and 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 like you say he, he said he wanted the character of closure he, he wanted to have a, a definitive ending and that that word definitive really can only mean one thing can't it <laughs> he, he used definitive multiple times yeah <laughs> and it's like people are like putting cotton in their ears like I didn't hear that. Not listening. It's it's kind of <laughs> kind of strange. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's neither here nor there. You made me compromise everything about myself that I care about. And I hate you for it. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. Oh, yeah. real quick, because uh, we were talking, we got the subject, but we were talking about the interview scenes, right? Or yes. the interrogation scenes. I don't remember who was the first one or the second one, but there was a moment where Logan is putting Dexter in handcuffs uh, to take him to the jail cell, and Dexter s- says, 
you're a good man, Logan. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, did he already have he had he already decided that if, if he was going to make a break for it, this was how he was going to do it. Like that was almost him saying, hey, you're going to hate me here soon. Um, but I just want you to know, I think you're a good man. Like, I don't think he yeah. had any intention of killing him outright. It sounded like he was just going to kind of choke him out. But I was like, on second viewing, I was like, did he already know? Yeah. Like, he already decided, like, when he has this chance, he's going to go for it. Yeah, he was just, he was just planting that, wasn't he, for later in case. I mean, the, in that, just to get back to that second interview, the the big turning point, without question, was when Angela mentions Batista, and and Dexter's eyes drop. And you just know what he's thinking, even without a voice over it, it. Just shit. That's it. Game over. And then he looks up and for half a second, you see the darkness in his eyes. It's there. A black look before. I mean, he's serious throughout that look. But just that first split second, there's something extra intense about it. Ever so slightly. And it just like the mask has fallen. And I, I love that bit. And then, of course, turn off the camera. (laughs) His last roll of the dice. Um, Give give Angela the means to solve the case of all those missing girls and reveal Kurt as a serial killer. Perhaps he he presumably thought if if he could help her with that, she'll do him a solid or something. (laughs) It was his only play at this point, wasn't it? Uh, Kind of speaking to your that look in his eye, whatever. Mm. and, And I think about like thinking about back over the entire season or how I'm going to, how time is going to treat the season or how I'm going to look back on it in a couple of years, whatever. I'm just thinking to myself, like regardless of any plot holes or, or, you know, thing like loose ends that didn't get tied up or whatever. I like, I'm these 10 episodes have been so incredible from just getting to see Michael C. Hall Mm. with this, with this role again, because he brought his a game for sure. I, I think with, with this season, um, he, he's been more fun to watch as Dexter Morgan this season than he's ever been. Uh, and, and I got the distinct feeling, especially towards the end of the original show that he was getting, you know, he was burning out a little bit on the, on, mm. on the character, rightfully so. I mean, he'd been doing it for eight years. So, but when seeing him come back into this, I, it just, it felt like he was firing on all cylinders again. And that was and the fact that we got an, an actual ending to the show where he was delivering his a game, I think is really important because yeah. that original ending, he was just kind of on autopilot, I think. Yeah. And when you put it like that, we're lucky. We're lucky that we've got this. It was this, it was the series we never thought we'd get speaking to Scott last week. He never thought the show was coming back until he got that call from Clyde, whatever it was t- two years ago or 18 months ago. Um, yeah. I think we're, we're fortunate to get a much better conclusion to the show uh so um regardless of how you feel about the this episode yeah like just look at how good the like the other nine episodes are yeah. in this season like it's been almost consistently yeah. positive yeah give uh, me some credit so I, 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 it's just <laughs> one of those things where it's like i don't think one episode yeah. should necessarily kill an entire season no it does for some people i guess i'll never understand that personally but last week last week's episode i think might be one of my favorite episodes of the entire show yeah yeah i mean you only have to look back at the the podcasts that we've that we've done over the last few weeks and and hear how excited we've been and all the feedback which i i I kept finding myself saying each week it's been almost almost universally positive been some nitpicks obviously we like i said last week we'd be remiss as a podcast if we didn't delve into the 
the details, the minutiae. But um, yeah, Stop it's been, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, he did. He did. Hey, he gave us permission to nitpick. You can't take <laughs> that back. I got that in writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's out there. Um, so, yeah, so in the cell, we, we finally get an appearance from Deb trying to convince Dexter that he's not going to wiggle his way out of this one. And he seems to make a decision leading us, of, of course, as, as we've um, brought up already, the, the, an even bigger turning point of, of killing Logan. Dexter, as we said, was was like a, a, a cornered animal, desperate, caged up and, and facing the prospect of the death penalty. And he snapped and he took action. Now, my reading of this when I watched it was that Dexter didn't want to kill Logan uh, and he just wanted the keys to get out of there. Logan pulling the gun and firing gave Dexter no choice but to break his neck. Now, on the wrap up podcast, Clyde Phillips said that they were very careful with the sound edit so that the neck break was a split second after the gunshot. And the the reason for that was to to make out that Dexter didn't want to break the neck. But the shock of the gunshot made him flinch and jerk. And he obviously he always he already had his arm around the guy's neck and the neck got broken by accident. Um, it makes Dexter look slightly less bad that he didn't intend to kill him. Um, I, I don't know if any of you heard that. He also didn't show much remorse after. No, either, he didn't. Either. Um this was the turning point for me in the episode where like my jaw hit the floor. Like that was the first moment of the entire episode where I was just like, holy shit. I'm officially on board with Dexter being like, like I, I kind of hated him in that moment mm. because like, like you said, we finally kind of got clarification that Logan was in fact, just an all around good dude, super nice guy. It's been that way the entire season. Um, real like salt of the earth kind of kind of guy yeah um and dexter even like you said earlier dexter even acknowledged that he you know he's a good man uh so like to see him just in that moment of panic kill him like break his neck and then just move on i was like oh yeah that's that's bad like i I couldn't i couldn't look at dexter the same way after after that moment and Uh. sure there may have been other ways they could have made us feel that way but i thought this worked really well ultimately yeah it was it was a humdinger of a moment and it it um in in the room here when we were watching it i was watching it with my wife and and i think she she gasped and um it was like that was that was a point in no return wasn't it yeah <laughs> there's no coming back from that and of course it's another yet another innocent who's died because of dexter and it and it proves crucial lateral damage yeah, it proves crucial for Harrison later. But you're right, it, it was collateral damage. Yes, he didn't intend to kill Logan, but he, he moved past it pretty quickly, didn't he? Sort of wiped his hands and, and was on his way. Um, I thought it was really interesting how there was a couple of scenes with Dexter and Logan. There was a scene earlier where Logan made Dexter go to the other end of the cell when he was giving him, I think, a sandwich, tuna sandwich or something. I thought, I thought it was really interesting, the dialogue between Dexter and Logan. And Dexter was subconsciously getting Logan to lower his guard to the point that he didn't ask Dexter to go to the other end of the, the cell when he was giving him the water. And that gave Dexter the opportunity to grab him. I, I was I listened to the wrap-up podcast, and I was I was actually going to ask you guys about this. When I was listening to Clyde Phillips and I think Scott talking about it, I wasn't sure whether, whether or not they, they were even clear 
Um, so re really good to hear that, that it, it didn't want to kill him. Um, so that I suppose there is a there is less accountability there um, for Dexter. But I like the way Dexter su subtly got Logan to lower his guard and, and, and gave him that opportunity for the escape. But like like Nick said, I turned and looked at my wife and it was right. There's no going back now. This is us. Mm. We're, we're in the end game now. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's murdered a police officer, and <laughs> now he is stealing his car. And <laughs> there's like 15 minutes left in this episode. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we probably all looked at the clock, didn't we? How much is left? You, what you, did you, you think of this? Like, what? What do you mean there's only 15 minutes left? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I like heinous Dexter. I I've told you like we want let's go all out. I want him to want to kill Logan because if you know you put me in that cell, the the sending me to Florida or killing some dude with keys, that's not a choice at all, man. That dude, I'm getting those keys. That's what Dexter's thinking. Not me. I'm a I go to church on Sundays, so you know I'm not like clearly. This is De this is Dexter <laughs> I'm talking about, right? Like it's not yeah. that hard a choice. He's not gonna regret it. He goes, man, that fucking sucks. Where I got to see my son. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't mind that he didn't regret it. Uh, I don't even mind that if he wanted to kill him, but I guess it was an accident, right? You know, because he's got him like chokehold. Uh, he was kind of bluffing, right? Like I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna do it, right? Give me the keys. <laughs> Said, don't be a hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which and was he like, did. And, and and this is this is one of the most perplexing things because this. It, this is where a lot of, this is this scene in particular is where a lot of people have kind of latched onto talking about like Dexter would never do this. And I'm like, yeah, what, what? show have you been watching? <laughs> yeah, of course he would do this. Yeah. And, I'm, and I and I applaud them for making sure that we remember that he would do this because, yeah, we some people clearly needed to be reminded. That yeah. He will fuck some shit up. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's meant to be shocking. We're meant to be shocked. Yeah. And yeah. horrified. And in these fans' defense, you know, I got a bleeding heart for these guys, you know. Dexter's a little teddy bear, man. He's got a goat. He saved Molly when even I wouldn't have saved Molly. And I go to church <laughs> on Sundays, you know. And he had every opportunity to let Molly, Kurt, take care of the Molly problem. And he saved her. He didn't need to. You know. A lot of people do see him as like a big teddy bear. And I'm like, I can't help but. Yeah, where's, where's your bar? I can't help kind of raise my eyebrow at that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Where do you Dexter set your bar of what's acceptable? <laughs> Dexter is the flawed saviour that the world doesn't know that it needs, is a, is a tweet that I saved. And I thought, <laughs> you, you know, you have sympathy because you love a character and you can see where people are coming from and you don't want to just jump down their throat. But like Nick just said, thinking back to the Liddy in, in the back of the van, it was either... I'm getting caught here, and I'm snap. Or I'm, I can't remember how he killed him. They snap his neck. I can't remember. No, he stabbed him. slowly yeah, stabbed him. Right. Like so, doing, like... I mean, it, it was the same situation <laughs> with Logan. I'm getting the electric. I'm getting the electric chair of the death penalty, or I get myself out of this situation. And yeah, he didn't want to kill Logan, but when push comes to shove, he's a serial killer, and it was just a byproduct of the code that he was killing people who were. Uh, bad guys otherwise they'd have just been out there killing for killing sake i mean yeah. the uh I, I forgot what season it was where they talked about the code and the first rule of the code being don't get caught which is which is specifically designed to give him a little wiggle room right do you, get, do you i'm sorry do you want to get oh, nitpicky go i got that i got a nitpick for you don't sure. get caught that was an invention of season two you know i'm the encyclopedia when it comes to early dexter 
season one, the first rule of code is be sure. That's why. Oh. Uh, that's why he was be sure. So that's why he did all the shit. I got to go into Jaworski's house. I got to find the weird porno. I got to find the fucking <laughs> car keys of this lady he killed, right? Yeah. Season two is when they go like, well, don't get... Because season two is when Harry did the heel turn. In season one, he, Harry was very portrayed like, dude, he's doing a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, season two is when they're like, okay, we're going to make Harry a fucking psycho. So the don't get caught such a draconian rule. Yeah, I don't think they realized... Caught. I think they realized yeah. they were maybe being a little irresponsible uh, with how they were portraying some of these characters who were clearly doing very bad yeah. things, which is why, honestly, fast forward to this season, why I'm so happy they they repeatedly said what Harry did to you was child abuse. And that's one thing yeah. Gareth brought up. Like, I think that was so yeah. good that they finally acknowledged that out loud. Um, also, Chris, I'm so glad I'm not the only person screenshotting weird tweets. I, like I saw one the other day, someone was like, he's a precious angel. And I'm like, a precious, what? <laughs> yeah, they were I, talking I, I about, got, got a screen cap Batista. this. Batista's ah. a precious angel. Yeah, he, he flirts with women behind his wife's back. Season one is also really, I've just recently read the book. I don't know if anybody's read the book. It's really yeah, have, super, yeah. super faithful, almost verbatim at times, some of the dialogue. So I don't know until if, the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> until the end. I don't know if the the code thing, like Travis has said in season two, is maybe a byproduct of veering away from the where the books obviously goes drastically, um, yeah. definitely from where the books go. But I don't, I, I, I didn't remember that. Um, like you had just said there, Travis, that yeah, be sure. Was I, I'm glad you remember that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my eyes peeled for that when I, when I eventually yeah. rewatch it again. Um, I mean, they did a lot of experimentation in season one as well, like like trying to figure out what is his what is his uh, mo, right? Like, how does remember he the, do this thing? on his face? Yeah, do you remember? Yeah, I'll his never face. forget that. I think about that every time. Like, why did he wrap his head in Saran wrap? I Dexter don't was like, he was like, <laughs> Gareth, do you remember this? Dexter was like a sensual pervert. Like he liked <laughs> he like he wrapped his people in plastic, but he also wrapped his own face in plastic in the in the pilot. They did episode. that. They did that once. Yeah, and, and then and then I think someone was like, "That's bad." Idea. That's weird. He's not a Let's, sex yeah. pervert, you guys. He's he just kills people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like um we had that. Uh, I asked Scott your question last week, Travis, mm-hmm. about the mo and how that changed from chopping people up while they're still alive to um stabbing them first, and and Scott said it was it was um he said it was some of the network, wasn't it? They had they had concerns yeah. that it was um it was too I, I did torturous. Like- I did like in season seven how they for a, for a hot second they they kind of, they were about to go back to it but when he was going to kill Hector Estrada the guy one of the guys who killed his mother and he like yes. pulled out the chainsaw and I was like oh they're about to go like early Dexter like he's about to cut this guy up while he's still alive of course mm-hmm. that never transpired because he got realized no. Roberto was about to trap him or whatever but like that was an they got to kind of tease it without actually doing it which I thought was a mm-hmm. nice touch but yeah. <clears throat> Okay, well let's let's get back to the episode because uh, we have Do a we good have bit to? where oh well, I think we should. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, Angela goes to uh, follow Dexter's directions and and finds the hatch at the cabin. Um, now she's been criticised for going alone and and yeah maybe it was a, a stupid idea because she doesn't know that Kurt's dead. He could still be out there somewhere. Maybe she could have gone with Logan. Dexter was There's in the only cell. three police officers in this whole town. That's that's the yeah. problem. They're stretched thin. But um, it's a powerful scene, though, as she sees all the girls down there. And, and I found it. 
I don't know if anyone else did. I found it a little bit emotional. I didn't blubber anything, but I thought, wow, when when she's it's Julia Jones's performance when she's walking down and she's recognizing all the girls and she remembers their names. And yeah. it showed it highlighted just how much she'd she'd studied them and got to know them over the years. Um, now, some critics have, have, have knocked her for, for apparently dropping this case to pursue Dexter so doggedly. But this shows how much she was it still means to him. her. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like you would probably drop everything if you started to suspect the person you were sleeping with yeah. might be a murderer. Like, like oh. I've been it's like she's been investigating these girls for how many years? Like, I think you yeah. can put it on the back burner for a second to try and get to the bottom of whether your your boyfriend might be a murderer himself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, let me defend it. Let me defend these haters. This <laughs> this girl was just so sure her her boyfriend's a killer based off of some screws and a neck wheel mark. What? You had Kurt in your hands and you knew that fool was lying. Oh, my dad did it. All right, I, I buy it. You're like, what? And then you let the, the man DA you, bought it. Then then you give the man comes into your home and gives you candy on Christmas and you're like, Happy Merry Christmas, Kurt. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, that's, that's a little fair. ridiculous. That's fair. Yeah. Have some eggnog. Yeah. But you know, she was she was sniffing the trail of a potential serial killer in in, in her boyfriend, so no small thing. I, I don't knock her for focusing on that. But the panic in her voice when she called Teddy, it was so good. You, you can imagine small town cop, everything that she's been through, all that she's uncovered in the last seven, ten days or whatever. Julia Jones really sells it <laughs> when she finds Logan, too, and she cries over him. And it, just great work. She was terrific. Really she was terrific. Great. Um, I, I do. I did kind of chuckle at her. uh you know, when she's talking to Teddy and she's like, get the FBI down here before this turns into a media frenzy. It's like media frenzy. You are in the middle of nowhere uh, in Iron Lake, New York. I'm pretty sure you can take your time. Like no, mm-hmm. no, nobody's going to get there in, in half a second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Also her run when she, when she realizes that Logan's not picking up and she's like running and like, fuck, like that. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't I... stop myself from laughing at that. I've heard people make fun of that, but I didn't notice it. I, now I need to go back and watch this. She, I mean, she's it's, looking like Benny Hill or sense. something. It Blind makes sense. Panic. And yeah. yeah, she's she's panicking and she's running to her car and she's bundled up in like all of her snow gear or whatever. And she's like, yeah. so it looks kind of like she's like Phoebe like, from Friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't all know if right. you remember that. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Sorry. Sorry. It, it's just kind of it's just kind of funny. I mean, it, it it totally makes sense in the moment, but it was just. You know, if you were to watch that little scene out of context, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So we come to the the final showdown. Dexter running through the forest in, in a mirror image of the opening of episode one, showing no ill effects from being shot by Elric. Yeah, <laughs> that's another thing. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Denarius kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet. Dexter yeah. forgot about getting shot in the leg. He's Wolverine. He, sh- he heals yeah. quickly. But but Harrison puts a few things together and realizes Dexter's kill Logan. Bearing in mind, he's only just found out about the code. Just saw his dad's true self the day before. Still confused about himself but rationalized his his dad's actions because of all the innocent lives saved. And now here he is, his dad in front of him, having killed an innocent and someone Harrison had grown to like, someone decent, another potential father figure, or at the very least a mentor. I don't know how much was preventing Harrison from being repelled by what his dad did, but it can't have been much. Perhaps simply his love 
but it, it tore up the code in a flash. <laughs> um, I, I do think this is the reason why they chose to kill off, to kill Logan instead of Angela is because I don't think he would have had the same reaction necessarily. I mean, he may have, but Logan had become this kind of like almost parental figure, I guess, um, that he had. Like he was he was bonding with Logan before he was even really bonding with his father. So I think they they needed that to kind of to make it land with Harrison. Yeah. I would argue. I would argue, for my point, um, it would be less person. It would be more damning to Dexter if he killed Angela, because what you're describing makes it sound yeah. like almost Harrison's taking it personally. You killed my coach. What? That's but true. If that's it's true. like if it's like you killed your fucking girlfriend, you don't. What? You can't. You killed your girlfriend and my girlfriend's mom. Yeah. You killed my stepmom <laughs> and and my girlfriend. <laughs> um, what? Um, yeah, no, I, I th- it would have made Dexter look real bad. And imagine, and, hypothetically, you know, violence against women is shocking anyway, but, like, physical violence. Imagine if he, if he snapped Angela's neck instead. That's a certainly shocking, like, laying hands on a woman in that way. Right? You know, yeah. that's that's certainly... You know, another theory, I think, is they went with... They didn't do that to Angela uh, because they wanted to give her that moment where she finally has... She finally gets the proof that she wants for the the missing girls or whatever um and she can't really be in two places at once you know what i mean right. it's like they, they they wanted to have both those scenes they wanted their cake and they eat it too so they had to kind of pick who was most available or who was yeah. most reasonable there yeah you have to feel like on balance they went the right way on that yeah score. but now that we've arrived at this final confrontation which obviously is probably where a lot of the um the most divisive stuff of the episode maybe happens. I still, I want to start by saying it's kind considering how little time we had left by the time we got to this point, it's kind of shocking how many narrative gymnastics they did in this segment without completely losing me. Like by the time it was all said and done. Yeah. I mean like, you know, obviously it felt a little rushed. Like I've said, we've said multiple times, you know, it'd be nice if this was, earned a little bit more over a couple more episodes but like they got here we're like we have 15 minutes left and what they managed to sell me in that 15 minutes was pretty impressive but yeah i'll I'll let you continue it was it was it was interesting that the choice of dialogue that that dexter had uh he he seemed uh, the, the word that's coming to mind is a bit pathetic um when he's it's about logan he says well he wouldn't cooperate uh like so many murderers from from films and tv shows in the past like it was the victim's fault and not the killers <laughs> he never um, wants to take blame or, or responsibility for what he is what he has done which is another instance of like hitting the audience upside the head with this guy is a selfish prick don't yeah. forget that yeah and, and we were right uh when we talked about harrison or speculated that harrison doesn't have a dark passenger he says his anger is because of dexter he he talks about the abandonment um and, and almost reliving that abandonment daily every time he thinks about his dad dexter tries to talk him into going with him and says things um you can imagine all kinds of ad- uh, addicts saying i can stop i can stop i can beat this thing you know i just need your help he sounds broken uh, a I, far I loved cry. That line. yeah I, I loved it when he said he said i he says i I need to be with you 
uh, I can stop. And then he was like, I'm your son, not your caretaker. And it was like, yeah, it was just like it was hitting Dexter over the head. Just one thing after the other of just telling Dexter, like, look at you. Look yep. at how pathetic you are at this yeah. point. And like, you have done so much damage. Yeah. Um, he's, he's desperate. Really he's, he's, he's panicked. He's Chris scared. Chris isn't liking this. I'm seeing Chris on camera. Chris is Ooh, not like Go on, Chris. <laughs> this is where the wheels really come off for me. And, and this is where, I mean, if we'd have stopped the episode just before he killed Logan and we had a couple more episodes to go, I'd be like that. This was a great episode. This was fantastic. Some of that dialogue is great, like you guys have said, but I just felt it was a real it was a real 180 from Harrison. And I actually thought it's a couple of weeks ago that he, was, he found out about his dad and Kurt, but really in reality it was only a couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. So he's gone from thinking his dad's Batman and a superhero to a couple of days later thinking, I'm going I'm to kill my dad here. I don't know, and you, you need to do a lot of mental gymnastics to get there. And I know they didn't have a lot of time. Um, but for me, and I guess, like I said earlier, maybe I'll go back and I'll view this a, a wee bit differently. I didn't like it. I mean, I said last week in, in, on the podcast, you know, Chekhov's gun is going to is going to come into play here. It did. As soon as you seen the, the rifle sitting on the, the rock, you knew yeah. it was you knew it was going to happen. Um, yeah. Again, like both actors were amazing. I mean, you can't fault anything. You can't fault how it looked or, or, or anything like that. But for me. Even just the way they sort of retcon Dexter's letter later on. I think there's a line, um, let me die so my son can live. I really feel as if they used that to justify it. And uh, it does they sit right with me. And then the wee, almost there's a wee sort of smile that Harrison gives at the end. It reminded me Jesse at the end of Breaking Bad. And I was like, oh, it's just, it just doesn't work for me. This doesn't, hmm. this doesn't make me go... Oh yeah, Harrison's going to get this lucky new start, and that's what obviously they wanted. Clyde Phillips harped on and harped on and harped on in the wrap-up podcast about how he had a horrible dad and he had all these daddy issues, and I, I can't comment about that. That's his life, but I really feel that had a massive impact in what he wanted for the end of this show. And for me, I don't know if that's what Dexter was really about, but that's just me. No, I, uh, I'm glad oh, you fair. said it. Yeah, I'm glad you said it, because I'm, I'm with Chris on this. I got a whole, that is all notes, in, you know. <laughs> yeah, like the, oh, there we go. Look, he's got, his, he's got a little, he's in the 21st century. Do you remember paper? I think they were running out of paper at the Showtime office. That's why it was so rushed. Like, oh, shit. Uh, we've only got some loose. We got two loose leaf left. Fuck. Uh, so, writing around the corners of the page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, me, it's like, um, you know, with the, the stuff where it's like Harrison's like, I'm not like you, Dad, but I'm about to kill you. And I'm just so glad now Harrison can put that all behind him. Right. He's Harrison's got a normal life with 30 bucks from Angela and a stolen car or whatever. Like He's going to be all right. Like, that's the story that they're selling me. And I don't like it. Um, well, I don't uh, think we're meant to really assume anything about what's going to happen with Harrison, because, you know, other other than you know in in that final moment she doesn't she sends him on his way so he, so so as to say that he's not going to pay she doesn't want like he offered his hands to her like his wrist to her to like put me in handcuffs yeah. and i think that was the kind of the deciding moment and that was also for us supposed to indicate like he is he is saying nope you know what fuck this code don't get caught it doesn't matter like here's my fucking wrists like that that was the moment she was like, I'm not going to make this kid pay for the sins of his father. 
quote unquote, like that's the title right. of the episode. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know what I mean? Um, you know, but who the who the fuck knows what's gonna happen to him after he rides off into the sunset? I I, I liked I liked listening to the letter because we didn't get a whole lot of the letter no, in, early on, other than to hear him talk about the dark tendencies thing. So it was cool to hear it in context, and it was cool to hear a monologue or delivered by Michael C. Hall that wasn't the same, like that wasn't mm-hmm. his internal monologue. This was just him reading a letter that he wrote, which was which was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I think um, Chris brought it up that. No, I hate I hate to be so argumentative. Um, Do it. That like that we know now knowing what's in the letter, Harrison's actions like retroactively don't make sense because he was pretty explicit with in the letter. Like, of course, it wasn't like, hey, Hannah, you know, I'm a serial killer. But he's like, man, I got these dark urges and, Han- and Harrison's going to have a better life without me. And if he ever has dark urges, you let me know. And then Harrison shows up and like doesn't tell Dexter about his dark urges or doesn't ask about what are your urges. Um, he takes personal offense. If you abandon, like he's taking it personally, you abandon me when Dexter was clear in the letter. Hey, this is because I'm a fucking asshole. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, that goes against everything you just said. I wasn't, I didn't like it. (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, I think, I think those are fair points as well. Uh, I mean, Harrison did in that second episode, uh, try to ask him what he meant by dark tendencies and being a a young kid as he supposedly is uh, it, it makes sense to me I guess that he would you know he would throw you know, he wouldn't listen to what his dad said in the letter because he just wants to know why the hell his dad walked away from him yeah uh, and I think a lot of that had more to do with the fact that he he would rather go find his dad than live in foster care right um so yeah, the, I mean, the, the monologue of the letter, sorry, Gareth, I, I think it was really good that they used the, the voiceover after Dexter died, kind of softened the blow that you were hearing him towards the end of the episode, um, albeit um, I didn't really like the, the, the content of some of the letter. I think that was a, that was a good move. Um, also, Clyde Phillips was, was sort of sandbagged with the Hannah storyline. I don't think he'd have gone down that route if he was still in charge. So they had to sort of they had to deal with that in a way, and that's obviously informed some some of what um, had to happen with regards to the letter and Harris's story as well. So, I mean, I agree with Travis and quite a lot of the points, and that I really didn't like this part, but it's not it didn't spoil the season for me. It didn't spoil the episode even for me either. Yeah, I yeah, think it's and, I and, think it's sorry. I, oh, I, I think ahead. I think it's quite plausible that Harrison would go looking for him at the point in his life that he'd. he'd he'd reached because it's like like you're saying it's, it's that or the the foster care system and it sounds like his his experiences there were pretty bad um and it's like he's he's a teenage kid um he's practically alone in the world Where, where's he gonna go it's like he's his only living relative um well, he's got we, Aster we could, and Cody. as a sidebar yeah we could say where are Aster and Cody he could I'd have like tried to, to find see them, them. I'm sure yeah. they'd like to collect a paycheck from Showtime as well. I bet they would. <laughs> they were at the premiere. They were, weren't they? Um, so I, I think that's fine. And, and he, he said he went looking for answers, didn't he? Um, and and he got them. Uh, the smile in the car that you mentioned, uh, to me, it was ambiguous. Um, on the podcast, uh, they said that it was Harrison feeling optimistic for the future um that he'd been kind of freed by his actions 
um rather than a smirk or a um yeah i stitched him up or you know conspiracy theorists think that did harrison go to iron lake to kill dexter to begin with was that always his ultimate plan i i, I don't get that feeling no. from it at all um but uh i think the smile you without hearing the, the the official podcast i think the smile is is ambiguous um yeah. and i i'm okay with that being ambiguous because it allows us to speculate a bit and talk about oh i wonder what wonder how he's feeling in that moment yeah i think um yeah anybody i've heard ridiculous people say what you've said oh he, he he's smiling because he played everybody or something like that or they have these dumb ideas of what should have happened i i guess my ultimate concern comes down to what does he have to be optimistic for because he was just the the big Friction was like, I don't want to leave Iron Lake, Dad. I love my fucking girlfriend. I love my friends. I love wrestling. And then he now he's just leaving and he's stoked about it. You know, I, that's mm. my thing. Now, I, we won't rewrite the ending, but like, <laughs> there, isn't there a scenario where Angela was just like, I'll say I shoot him and then you can come live with me. What You don't have to leave Iron Lake. Right. It's more dramatic. The hero, the hero moves on. Right. He leaves the, the little Hamlet and goes off to the world. Yeah. Right. I, I get that. But, you know, uh, I, I think maybe uh, I think maybe just talking about the smile, I mean, um, it is ambiguous, but I kind of read it as he was smiling because he he now had the context he needed to understand the letter and understand his dad, which he it was kind of what he was going there to find in the first place. Um, like when he went there, none of it made sense. And he finally had the answers he was looking for. And on some level, I feel like that was probably a, a good, satisfying feeling. Something off about you, Morgan. I should have seen it before. The fake smile, the donuts. You don't even walk like a normal person. You collide like a fucking lizard on ice. It's all a fucking act. And I ain't mine. You're listening to dissecting dexter you are one creep motherfucker we did kind of skip over the actual yeah (laughs) yeah because it's um what what harrison ends up doing uh echoes dexter killing matt after the death of the innocent deer logan and the deer both innocent lives um and it was it was um it was suggested to me that uh Harrison was following the code in an even more perfect way, which is an interesting notion. Uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of. So the reason I ultimately ended up liking the scene, especially on subsequent viewings, um, was I was kind of there's there's several moments that I think kind of made it work. One, um, we had that moment where you think you think Dexter is going to have. He's going to have the epiphany that we've been, we need him to have uh, when Harrison tells him, you need to turn yourself in. And he pauses for a second. And then he says something along the lines that like, you think he's about to be like, he, I think he even says, okay. But then he, he follows it up by saying, okay, you don't have to come with me, but I can't stay here. So it's kind of yeah. like in that moment, Harrison was like, this motherfucker is abandoning me again. Like, what is wrong with this guy? Um, and then they have the conversation about Logan. And then he, he says something along the lines of, 
you know, this, this dark passenger isn't even a passenger at all. It's fucking driving. And it was like, yeah. it finally clicked for him. Like, like you don't do this to save people. You like this. Like, this is, this is your jam. Like you love this. Um, so, I mean, yes, it was maybe a little inelegant in that they had to like make him have these realizations, like yeah. boom, 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 like back to back. He was, he was too um, precocious. <laughs> he, he was too smart. Like yeah. they too, too self-aware. I thought, right, yeah, to right. say these things. Um, I, that I, I think great, that was a great line. The line you just referenced that the dark passenger is actually yeah. driving. I thought that was that was yeah. a great line. That was I a think good that line. was maybe a throwback to one of the books because they talk they talk a lot about the dark passenger in the books. Um, in fact, they even treat it as like more of an actual like entity. It's the books are weird. I don't know if y'all have read all the books. The I've books read all of very, them. Very, they're very weird. <laughs> like yeah. they treat the dark passenger like it's a thing, like it's a real living thing that's like so almost it's inside its own character, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. um, which can it's be like cool a... at times and just really weird at others. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that was kind of a a, a nice nod to the books because they talk about it in different ways there. But um, uh. They, they, I think they made like considering how little time they had when the, by the time they hit this point, I feel like they, they made the best choices they could have made, with, with what they had. You know what I mean? Like, even though he makes these realizations and they happen like back to back to back to back, like they said the right things to plausibly make those, those connections happen, in such a short amount of time. Of course, I just wish, I wish they didn't have to do that. <laughs> mm. Which yeah. I think is where a lot of people are probably struggling with it. But again, yeah. I liked the scene a lot more the second. I don't know if y'all have watched it more than once, but like the second yeah. time I watched it, I was like, this scene, I feel works better the second time I watched it. And I don't, yes. I don't I'm not entirely sure why, but it does. <laughs> Strangely, but my I watched it for a third time this afternoon and I felt more emotion watching it the third time, which is. Which is weird. The first time I was just, I think I was just tense. I was on the edge of my seat yeah. thinking, feeling that sinking feeling, you know how this is going to end. Yeah. Uh, and just bracing, <laughs> bracing for impact. Um, but yeah, like you say, Harrison very quickly, just blam, 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 quick fire things coming at him, realizing what Dexter is. The wheels is. come off real fast. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, realizing what Dexter is like we did long ago that he kills for his own pleasure. Um, and there's that great line about about the dark passenger um we get when when harrison brings up uh he, he says about dexter turning himself in and dexter says but i'll get the death penalty and harrison says well that i'm paraphrasing yeah, he says, that, that might be what you deserve and there's a pause there's a pregnant pause and we get that shot looking up looking up at dexter with the sun coming through the trees behind him almost like someone's turned on a light and you can see a bit yeah. of resignation in his face and he says well okay i'll i'll go alone there and he's I think for Harrison as well, that's something else that hits him. His dad, his dad, his father figure behaving cowardly, not facing up to his actions. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, that line the, bothered me. Yeah. That, see that line about the death penalty when, when Harrison says maybe you deserve it. Uh, two days ago, he was calling him Batman, the, the, yeah. the best vigilante ever. You've saved thousands of people, I think Harrison says. Apart from taking Logan away from it, that's the way Harrison's still thinking. I mean, obviously, we know, listening to the wrap-up podcast, blah, 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 that it was more of an accident that he killed Logan. But it felt like a real jump for me from, oh, my God, Dad, you saved thousands of people to oh, you, a couple of days later, you deserve the death penalty. And I think that is where 
I'm battering my head against a brick wall a wee bit with this scene. Um, you make you make a good point. Um, the the what they did to try and I think sell sell us on the that idea that quick that that snap turn that he makes is that seeing like fi- like realizing that he just killed Logan, then just made him realize well, what about my mom, and what about Deb? Yes, like. Are all these people just collateral damage to you? And of course, we kind of are, are. I think at this point, we are supposed to see them as collateral damage. But Harrison hadn't realized that. And I think there was obviously there's still part of him that's like, yes, I, I, I was on board for what we were doing. But if you're willing to just kill a good man to save your own skin, what is the point of even saying, like, what? why are we even doing all this? Yeah. And again, this comes back to they could have sold us on an idea over the course of another episode or two. Um, but what they did try to inject into this moment was Again, maybe the best they, they could have done. <laughs> they could have done what there's they mental gymnastics. Even with that line, and I've sounded like a total hater now, but even the line when Harrison says, would my mum still be alive? And then he says, would man Deb still be alive? How can Harrison really get there? How do, he doesn't know the, the circumstances round about that. So I found that difficult. I, I, I know. I mean, he knows about Trinity, a, and he knows that he was that he killed yeah. Trinity or was going after Trinity. Um, and I think uh, you're right. It is mental gymnastics. I, I think there was a certain part of him that was like, well, if my mother died as a result of what he was doing, but he doesn't know that. He, I know cause we do. So we know Dexter's an asshole, right? But Harrison, I don't think Dexter was like, yeah, man, I was following Trinity for months, right? It's a, it's a, a, he's precog. He's like a minority report. He shouldn't, he knows things he shouldn't know. He's got Clyde Phillips words coming out of his mouth because he needs it. But I mean, he is asking the question, not insinuating that he knows the answer. It's more of just like, it's just like, well, knowing now what I know about what you do, is it safe to assume that like, my mother may have been like my, my mother may have never been a target if it weren't for the fact that you were going after Trinity or, or, and and then kind of being like Deb, like, I don't know really the specifics of how Deb died, but could she still be here if it weren't for you? I just, I think he's just having this realization that like, there's probably a lot of other people that may have just been, have just died as a result of being in your orbit because of what you're doing. Hannah, Hannah could have told him about Deb. He could have Googled it knowing yeah. her name right, he could have right. found it out um yeah he should have thrown hannah under the bus go diana tried to kill deb first let me tell you about your stepmom yeah Screw that also i'm glad i'm glad uh, i think chris i think you brought it up when you were talking about um talking about clyde phillips not having any uh what's the word i'm looking for uh loyalty to hannah as a character i've seen so many people bring up like Oh, I bet, I bet, you know, Harrison killed Hannah or Hannah's going to show up at the last second and she's been like manipulating the entire time or whatever. And it's just like, I keep thinking of it like Clyde Phillips probably was just like, felt like that, that character was just dropped in his lap. And he was like, I, well, I got to do something with it. It's like the moment I, the moment we found out that she died of cancer, I was like, oh, that was it. That there isn't, I was almost convinced. Mm -hmm. I was like, there is probably nothing else to that. Yeah, it is probably just Clyde Phillips saying we have to acknowledge her existence, and but I'm not going to do anything with her because I would not have created a character like that. Yeah. Um, 
But I do like that this season didn't pretend like those things, those controversial, those divisive things didn't happen. Like it, I, it made the best of a, of a bad situation. Uh, like I, like I'm not, a, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the season eight finale. Uh, I don't think anybody really is, except for some weirdos now who didn't like this finale. Um, There's a massive, massive shout out there, and certainly on Twitter, that season eight finale is better than this one, and that is a ridiculous, a ridiculous yeah, yeah, comment yeah. to make. It's so, yeah. so bad. Yeah. Is, the, whole, just, I, the whole season, it doesn't. Yeah. They just don't compare, do they? Yeah, the it, it's like, it's like, like look at season eight. Like the, that finale came at the end of a a long string of what I would call disappointing episodes. This this divisive ending um, came at the tail end of like some really strong episodes and yes. just like really just a really beautifully shot season and just you know it just felt like the good old days in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, while also kind of bringing its own new twist to it which I liked um, so I, it's, I found that to be such a strange phenomenon <laughs> phenomenon that's yeah. happening right now yeah you know what I thought no, Dexter I- was gonna do I'll tell you I'm sorry to cut you off. I thought Dexter, you know, in a way to, like, help his son, like, if you're going to murder me, I thought he was going to do somewhere, like, I'm going to charge at you. So, like, the blood spatter or whatever will, will look like a righteous kill, uh, right? Like, uh, I'm going to run at you. You shoot me. So then it's all gravy. You know, I mean, obviously, I guess that's that what ended up not being necessary. Yeah. But, you know. Execution. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, that would look good. Dexter would know this will look good. Mm. That I was I was a crazy man running at you with a knife or something. You could shoot me and it's. And Harrison would yeah. be all good. It'd be more dramatic. Ah, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get back to the don't get caught. That would have worked yeah. very well, actually. Yeah. yeah. The line. Uh, this also, <laughs> we, we haven't mentioned it yet, but the uh, I really liked, and maybe I'm alone here, but I really liked the throwback to the first episode where he says, open your eyes and look at what you've done. I, I, I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. I like so that. So good. A nice uh, coming see. full circle. A nice comeback. I mean, that was fan service. That was fan service. I'm a hater. Yeah, I hear yeah. that. I hear that stuff, and I roll my eyes like, "All right, you're not tricking me. I know what you're doing." That's that's why I figure I'm like, this is gonna be probably like just as many people hated as loved it, but like <laughs> I fall into the I love it camp. And I think a lot of it had to do with Jack Alcott's delivery of the line. I think they yeah. could have easily made that sound really corny, but like he delivered it with some real gusto. Um, and, and it was and a flash for the moment. The flashes of. Rita and Dokes and Deb yeah. and Laguera. That was to further dot the I's, cross the T's. Dexter does deserves to die right, for us. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and, we'll, and, overlook, uh, we'll overlook Lundy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was like, Lundy was an interesting one I liked to put him. in there, but okay. I liked him. But I think know. it was because we liked him. They put him in there. It was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. kind of Dexter's fault now. Because he could have. Notice it, they, they didn't put Brother Sam in or anybody to no. fuck about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be Brother honest. Sam, yeah. Wasn't that, wasn't that his fault, right? Because Dexter let you know, it, dude live. Yeah. It, it, uh, <laughs> having my recent rewatch of season six, um, which one of my least favorite seasons, to be honest, uh, it is such a tragedy that Brother Sam was killed and like halfway through the season and was like, like that care I liked that character a lot if he had actually gone on to do anything. Yeah. Like I thought he was yeah. a really, really great character. And then he they kill him off to do that. Yeah. Uh, he just he I he read fortune cookies and that's it. I'm not we shouldn't argue about season six. I'm not a Sam head. Let's argue about season five now. I'm just kidding. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh also the uh during the kills the 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 death scene at the end. With Dexter, we we got one final shot with Deb, uh, with her yes. holding his hand, uh, and his his last words 
were uh what did you say you did good you did, you did he good gave the, yeah. he gave like the terminator 2 like thumbs up like yeah. and i <laughs> and i was yeah. i was wondering i was wondering <laughs> if 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 the his meaning behind that line was like you j- just did the thing that you like you've been talking to me about you did good you spared the lives of anybody any uh, more co- you've stopped me from creating any more collateral you, damage you, you did good versus you've done well right good as in evil good right yeah. is that what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly like well, like Michael not see hall fought for that line he campaigned for that line to be his last yeah. words and it, it, it could be interpreted in more than one way couldn't it i mean it's that was a, base good, level, that was a good a shot father. yeah it's a father giving encouragement to to his son um yeah i i, I like i like your uh your interpretation there nick because uh, he knew at this point that like Her- if harrison was going to do any of this it was going to be under the pretext of like it was to save as many people as many lives as possible he wanted to do good so that was like him saying there you did it you did yeah. good by stopping me there won't be any more you know there won't be any more Logans. There won't be any more Ritas. There won't be any more Deb. You know, it's like, yeah, I won't kill anybody else. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a nice way to go. And, it, and he and, fit the code. And that's why to set him apart as like, this is what makes him different from Dexter, uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and he fit the code, of course, perfectly. And, and Harrison followed the code through. Um unwittingly i suppose yeah um harrison just prior to that has this line um i don't want to be right i want to be normal uh yeah. which i found heartbreaking and then you can see it breaks dex's heart and and i think that that was a turning point in the conversation you see the realization on his face as at that point then he re- reaches the decision and he apologizes <laughs> for, for the first time to harrison and right. you can see he means it and i'm sure michael c hall's eyes look like they were tearing up uh before he tells harrison to take the safety off i was almost expecting a you know a, a, a tear to roll <laughs> I, I did like that that line where he suddenly was like you know you don't know what he's going to say next and he's like you have to take the safety off and i was like oh shit that was good um hmm. you know for a moment when when harrison walked away to go clearly go pick up the rifle and dexter was walking away <clears throat> i was like oh shit is this gonna like is he gonna be walking away and then all of a sudden harrison comes up behind him with a needle and like <laughs> like all of a sudden like there's a whole kill room set up or something like i was like yeah. that's gonna be weird if that happens um yeah but like you said Chekhov's rifle Chekhov's rifle total and sense. i and i think for for the character of dexter in that moment he's he's arguably his most human at this point he says in voiceover he finally feels love real love um and i believed him uh, a parent sacrificing themselves for their child is parent Which, you know wouldn't <laughs> i think so many people were so adamant about like hating this ending because they wanted to ha- like, there were a lot of people who wanted him to just ride off into the sunset like happy ending for dexter like him and harrison right off into the sunset yeah. to murder people together <laughs> i guess but like i'm saying like does this not i mean nitpicks aside and also talking a lot about needing more time to get there but like does this not strike you as like maybe the happiest ending you could have possibly hoped for for this character yeah because it kind of felt that way to me like he had a moment where he redeemed himself to some extent in the eyes of his son and the eyes of the audience he paid for his crimes and like what more can you kind of yeah want from that yeah i mean as as loving dexter as as we do was there ever a scenario where they could be truly happy together 
was that ever really possible? Did did we really want to see a father teaching his son how to be a some serial killer and chop people up? Yeah, some some people did. And we got uh, we did get some of that. And and but it but it was just as disturbing as it was interesting to watch. Yeah. Which I didn't expect if we ever got to that point, they would make it I feel I felt like they would they were gonna try to make it as like you know, comfortable as possible, but no, like that shit was weird and uncomfortable, and I loved it for it. And <laughs> retrospect, like, looking back at that, looking back at that scene, um, the kill scene with Kurt, I think I mentioned in my feedback um, to Gareth about they don't often show Dexter cutting um, no. the, the limbs off, and I think it was to really put us in Harrison's shoes, and I think that sort of informs the end of the season yeah. um, as yeah, well. Yeah. So we, I yeah, think when you look I, back as a whole, these things will sort of tie in a wee bit nicer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was definitely, they were setting, they were sowing some of the seeds of this ending prior. Maybe we just didn't know it at the time. But like, yeah, he, he when he was carving up curves, like he's carving up a turkey and it was just like, <laughs> and he was like smiling while he was yeah, doing matter it. matter of fact. And talking yeah. about it so casually. And it was just like, yeah. ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It, you're right. It, to, it was preparing uh, all of us. <laughs> Sorry, Travis. Go. No, I had a stupid. I'll say it, but you are talking about Do being it. a being a curtain and <laughs> Harrison shoes. I was like, we should have seen Kurt's wiener, right? Imagine you gotta watch your you gotta watch your dad undress his fat dude, drag him down the ladder. <laughs> That's what I want to be in Harrison shoes. Like, oh my god, my dad's a lunatic, you know. And he's like, uh, there was actually some. I don't know if you saw it, but Jack Alcott posted some like behind the scenes stuff on his Instagram or something, and one of the pictures was like. In, when they were filming the kill scene and there's the it's him and michael c hall at the end of the table and they're kind of like it looks like they're looking up fancy brown's like looking up his skirt quote unquote yeah like, and like jack alcott's making this face of like ah! yeah. <laughs> and i was like like at least they're joking about like they know how weird and yeah uncomfortable that situation yeah. probably is yeah yeah so the yeah that you, you mentioned the, the bit with deb Right at the end, and 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 uh, Dexter says the words "you did good." There, there was the the moment where he's he and Deb touch hands, they hold hands briefly, and uh, again re- referring to the official podcast, there were, I think it was um, Jennifer's choice uh, to try it with her pulling her hand away from Dexter, um, and that and that's that's interesting. That's like Deb freeing herself from him in the way that. Not in the same way, but Harrison's just freed himself from Dexter, yeah. and now Deb has as well. Um, you everybody's can also read free it and happier now. <laughs> everyone's free. Everyone's happy uh, that he doesn't need her anymore. Um, it's a shame. Yeah. Harry, what's the name? James Remar. Yeah. I know the man. I know the man's as old as the the stones underneath my feet right now. <laughs> but but uh, well, you know, it's a shame they couldn't get Harry back for that. The episode was called yeah. "Sins yeah. of the Father." I was convinced yeah. there was going to be a James Remar cameo, other than just yeah. like an like a flashback you know what i mean uh, but, I, like i was like is this gonna be the moment where the, like james remar pops back up and is like is harry instead of deb for a second like they they, yeah. they made up that watch that harry had just like in force awakens or whatever they made up oh han solo always had this little keychain or whatever do you remember they uh yeah the, the, the dice they were like yeah. he always had it we all know han he always that's what we always think about when we think of han is this <laughs> dice right here and yeah they were to tie it back all together to star yeah. wars again Dexter is like this. This father was my watch. My father's watch. Or what? This father was my watch's father. That's right. You heard it. We've been, here, we've been here for two hours. <laughs> just, just a, qu- a question. How did Angela know that they were there? 
okay, that is that is if I, you want my my real answer, they probably didn't bother to think of that. Okay. But my my <laughs> I didn't my, miss something. <laughs> my assumption is that all of the police vehicles are low jacked, and she would probably realize that he stole Logan's vehicle, and then and then went out found the vehicle by tracking it, and then when she heard the gunshot go off, used the gunshot to like run. Right. She ran towards the gunshot essentially. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's but, uh, one of those things come, that we we have to fill in gaps. <laughs> She yeah, can't remember the opposite direction. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She's, a no, you're right. She's a super cop. She knows yeah, Ellie's a... vehicle. The oh, there we go. Would have a she, Googled, she Googled it. Where's Dexter yeah. right now? And, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what she did. Uh, you're you're yeah. right, Nick. The, the vehicle yeah. would have a tracker in it. So she may have seen roughly where it was. And um, I'm going to file this under uh, one of the many things that I wish they had shown us that we just have to kind of make up our own yeah. excuses for. I mean, I think there are explanations for most of these things that we could come up with ourselves, but I wish they had bothered to just include them themselves. A, a, um, a one line I, of dialogue could could have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. One. Yeah. One quick like scene showing her like tracking a vehicle or whatever, or just a, yeah, or just the line of dialogue could have made that whole scene, that whole question, a moot point. But you know, that yeah. that the nitpicks that you're talking about, and you know. At the end of the day, I think back to like all the complaints and all of the problems I had with season eight and just realizing how I didn't have that feeling almost at all this season was great. (laughs) It was was so great to not constantly just being like, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've said it every week or nearly every week. It's, It's been a pleasure to podcast about this series. That there's been such such overwhelming positivity. Yes, so we've had the odd nitpick, um, but uh, none of it's really detracted from my wider enjoyment of the show. I've been having, like you like you said, Nick. Are you having fun? Are you having fun with it? Yeah. Are you exactly. are you compelled to watch the next episode? Do you care about what happens? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. r- real quick, uh, you know, Scott, if you're listening, I just thought it was funny uh before the uh before the finale aired he was he tweeted something about is like hey dexter you know fans i'm gonna have some exciting dexter new blood news to announce on on monday and i was like i was like oh boy (laughs) it's like he's tempting the internet gods uh and it turned out to be the blu-ray which you know what honestly makes me real happy i'm a big physical media guy like i was like instantly like yes please i want to add this to my to my collection uh I was like, there's no way, even if it was picked up for a spinoff or a season two, there's no way they're going to announce it a day after no. the finale. No, they wouldn't They wouldn't tease uh, it before the finale either. Oh, through man. Scott like, Reynolds, personally. Oh, man, I, yeah, but like, but he tweeted that. And I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> it's about to get yeah. weird. Yeah. Damn, look at yourself. You're lost. I am not lost. I know exactly where I am. I am in some shitty fucking hell, which is exactly what I deserve. You, you are lost. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. So whether we get a, a, another season, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm 
quite okay with with putting a bow on this. Are you honor bound? I do like that. To cover it, uh, Gareth. Oh, that's a question. Harrison, old blood or whatever. Is that, are you? Are you, you newer blood? Yeah. Um. I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I want to say yes. You do it. I, I, um, I want to say yes. It's it's part of the. What, it would be part of the universe, wouldn't it? Uh, one thing I will say is if they do decide to renew it, and honestly, if you look, if you're looking at it purely from a lake, like a number standpoint, it almost makes no sense for them not to at this point. It's it, this was the most successful thing for Showtime ever, honestly. Uh, like that that was it broke all kinds of records. Um, and they've said it before that Dexter as a property is like one of their most, you know one of the biggest things right um but the way this ended is such a like it, it can be, it can be a stopping point if you want or to it could be mm-hmm. if they do decide to continue it you can you can make that decision do you want to do you want to jump on that 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 train and write and write and see where it goes or do you want to just let this be the end and i feel like that's kind of nice yeah they could I, I don't it, it know could what... serve as it could stand on its own as an ending uh, absolutely yeah I, I would i would be concerned if if a, a spin-off series had Harrison killing people it would feel a bit of a not a cheat but it, it would feel like a disservice to how this ended see I feel like and, and, I feel like shooting Dexter was was the full stop on yeah. on that for him and that he was looking at a new start um I mean it's still screwed up obviously he's killed his dad he's been through what he's been through he's witnessed what he's witnessed this is Dexter this is the TV show Dexter <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah. fictitious world isn't it <laughs> uh, apparently clyde phillips uh he's done several interviews over the weekend or whatever mm. and he has said not only is he interested in doing it he has a pitch lined up <laughs> like he right. he has an idea he also really said he would he would drop everything to do it he says he's really yeah. busy but he would drop everything if showtime called him about it so there's clearly an appetite and like you said nick if they're if they're breaking streaming records and and revenue records, you, you you almost think it's a certainty that they're going to do it at this point. Yeah, uh, I, I saw you know a lot. They could, of, do? They, they could do a time jump and let yeah. Jack Alcott actually play at like a like a twenty four year old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> take it like ten years later, like so he's not a twenty four year old playing a fifteen or sixteen year old or whatever he is. It's supposed to be thirteen years old, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at if you look yeah. at logistically speaking, the the timeline they've given us. He looks like he should be a lot younger. Yeah. I saw a lot of people before yeah. the finale saying, if there is going to be a Harrison spin-off, I'll be okay with it if they have Michael C. Hall as the Harry character. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, they can't really do that because he's only known him for three weeks of his adult life. He's not got that frame of reference where he could have Dexter as... as Dexter grew up with Harry. He had went 15, 20, 20 odd years of Harry imprinted into his brain to, to draw and yeah. to have this um, this guide. Harrison couldn't really have that uh, with Dexter, so again, that would be a, a difficult um, obstacle to get over if they were going to go down that route. And, I'd, and if Michael C. Hall wanted an end to the character, is he really going to sign on to do that type of role anyway? So. Well, we, so all, we all know Harrison's got the world's greatest memory there ever was. That fool remembers Trinity from when the, the dude didn't even know what planet he was on yet, you know? So <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. I get that reference. Yeah. I, yeah. I get that reference. It's very yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I, so had, good. I, I had an email uh, from Des. Uh, she's not sent a voicemail this time, but she did email. She she followed up with another email today uh, with just a, a little tidbit. 
her theory is that Harrison's got a photographic memory that he he drew Deb from memory. He remembers Trinity in detail. Wow. He passed the school exam uh, surprisingly well and twice. He quotes to Dexter, you look just like re- I remember. I'm, I'm reading her email here. Um, and then she goes on to say, what if he knew all along, not just because he saw that white deer moment, but what if Harrison also holds onto the memories of daddy's box? If you remember daddy's box and all the secrets mm. Dexter shared with him as a baby. He seemed to be waiting all along for Dexter to reveal himself the way he used to do when he was young. And that smile at the end as he drives away, uh, she says, it bothered me the first time I watched it. How could he be smiling after all that happened? He was barely an iron late two weeks, albeit traumatic weeks. But now I think that smile is something deeper. He got answers, the thing he had come for. He learned what he could from Dexter, learned that he was irredeemable and took matters into his own hands, just like Daddy showed him. He didn't even have to clean up his own mess. Angela took care of that. And in the end, he was able to abate his darkness by punishing the person who brought it all to him. Interesting wow. thoughts. Interesting thoughts. I'm going to be honest. That, that means no no Dez voicemail this week? No, no. Oh, um, no. I think I think she felt, I can't remember how she phrased it. I think she felt tonally with how this played out. Obviously, she's normally very jovial and yeah. happy and lively and, and um, zany. Um, yeah, and on the back of last week, how how <laughs> upbeat she was, uh, that she she didn't feel it. Well, <laughs> I've really enjoyed her emails. Yeah, uh, she's been. Excellent. I mean, I've been, yeah, I've enjoyed everybody's great. emails and, and voicemails this season. It's it's been it's been a joy. Uh, it's it's great to have, to be on the show with with Chris, finally putting a face to the name or to what the a, voice. What a what a handsome man! Or I mean, hold on, what a <laughs> what a what a Bonnie. A bonnie laddie. La- I was going to say last, but I couldn't think of the boy one. There we go. A, laddie, a, bonnie, a bonnie laddie. Get a room. Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we do breakout rooms in this? In, in Des's this point there about the photographic memory, that's excellent. Yes. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's good, certainly good a route they could go down. Yeah, mm. really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, um, if, if, they decide, if they decide to do it, it's got to be something. There's got to be something that kind of makes it fundamentally different. And I think that I think yeah. walk, trying to find that sweet spot, because it's also got to feel like it's also got to appeal to people who like Dexter for some of the same reasons. But I think it also yes. needs to find its own identity. And if, if they can if they can pull that off, maybe it'll be great. But like it's one of those things I feel like I really need to see the pitch and and see like where they're going with it to really decide if I want to watch it or not. Mm. Um, I will say this. I think Jack Alcott did a great job. He did. Um, Definitely. I'm, I'm actually. I'm gonna go watch Good Lord Bird now because I. Yeah. Uh, need to seek that. Seek that I'm one a, out. I'm a sucker. If if Harrison in the Harrison show, if he goes to see Aster and Cody in Tampa Bay or Orlando or wherever, I'm down. All right, I'll fucking watch it. You know. Yeah. That's that's the selling point for you. Yeah. You might yeah, get crash Masuka's wedding. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, we're out of beer. And he goes, Did someone say beer? And he's got some fucking like, what? Yeah, I, I would watch this. Yeah. And he high fives everybody. Harrison, you made it. Jamie, remember Jamie Batista? You remember her? I, yeah. Yes, I do. No I one do else remember did. Jamie. And she's like, Harrison, I love you. Yeah. Will you be my mom? I will. And then they hug. She's yeah. on Lucifer now, isn't she? Oh, I don't know. I believe so, yeah. Amy Garcia. She babysat yeah. Harrison for what, like two seasons, but Batista couldn't remember Harrison's yeah, name. Batista's that, like, I don't, yeah, Batista's fucking out of That annoyed me so much. Hank, Hank, something, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that kid, I think we, we might chalk that up to Clyde Phillips once again, kind of uh, uh, subtly ignoring certain elements of the stuff that came yeah. after yeah. his tenure on the show. Yeah, but, I didn't write it. it didn't did happen. Scott go yeah. right through? Scott Reynolds did he go right through to season uh, eight? He did. Yes. He, yeah, he yeah he was he was part of the team from season one, but he didn't right. become I think executive producer until five uh, five or six. I, don't, I could when be I could be wrong on that. Um. He he, yeah, he rose he, through the ranks, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he was um, a writing assistant. Writing, writing assistant to start with, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. It's cool to see him go all the way. Oh, through. consistent. He's, he's the one, isn't he? He's been consistent all the way yeah. through, um, and, yep. and present. Who are you? Are you Dexter Morgan? Or are you fucking Goldilocks? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. It's a lot cleaner than Deborah Morgan's vocabulary. Mike Mike Lanich uh, sent in couple of questions i'm just just looking through because we if we've covered any of it already um he says i wonder if the old dexter would have killed batista back then like he did logan if it had been batista in his way Mm, you know i'm tempted i'm tempted to say i mean i think he would give batista the same leeway he gave logan yes which is cooperate with me and you'll make it through this Mm. but if you push me I'll break your neck. You're going down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I think just kind of generally speaking, I think Deb might be his only, maybe the only, and you know, his, his kids, obviously he, he, he said it many times. He would never hurt a child. Uh, and, and I think Rita is, you know, he would never hurt Rita. Um, but I think outside of his immediate family and, and Deb, I think, I, I don't think there's many exceptions. I think he would probably, do what had to be done in almost every situation. That's that's my take on it, anyway. Yeah, and with Logan, of course, the the driving force was getting to his son. Yeah. Um, I might be yeah. misremembering. What was Dexter going to do to Dokes in season two? You know, he had okay. ample opportunity to kill him, but he didn't. He was, was going to frame him for, for being. Right. So he wasn't going to no. kill him though. No, because he, no, he didn't out. fit the code. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, being he, strict he was, about it. The guy that frames him. Eric King, he put up a cool tweet. He, oh, he, yeah. <laughs> it was something to do with, like, Dexter appearing at the pearly gates and, and Dokes appears and goes, surprise, motherfucker. Because yeah. I tweeted him back and he replied to me. I thought it was really cool. Just <gasps> putting that out there. Nice. Nice. Just you and me, Travis, that – have you met Eric King? Is it just me that hasn't interacted with him? I No, I've never met him, no. Yeah. I went. I, I was at a Paley Fest for season five or something. I was in the same room as a lot of these people, but I never mm. met them. Right. I'm on the DVD. When you bought the season five DVD at Targets, it came with a bonus disc, Target exclusive Paley Fest. So you listeners out there, you watch that. Do you watch that DVD? I'm on it because I'm like near the front and there's like shots of the camera and there's me and my girlfriend at the time. And we're trying wow. to act cool. We're trying to act cool because we know the camera's on us. Like, don't you know, just be cool, be cool, you know. But we knew, we knew. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I was like, I have the season five DVD, but I don't think I have got it from yeah, Target, so I guess I missed tar- that on that. I don't know why, but I bought it at Target exclusively. I was like, I gotta get that disc. I'm on it. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike also asks, would you have rather had Dexter die or see his fake life slash mask? crumble to dust and be exposed as the Bay Harbor Butcher on screen with reactions to that knowledge from past friends and family, uh, including a real confrontation between at least Batista and Dexter, where Batista could really see the mask slip and see the monster underneath. 
watching Aster and Cody all grown up see this in the news. I guess if they'd had another couple of episodes, I don't know, then maybe that would have been a, an option to yeah. see some of the after effects. Um, presumably, uh-huh. Dokes gets exonerated, gets vindicated. Well, realistically, yeah. in, in quotes, I don't. I guess Dokes is still going to be the butcher. They got nothing on Dexter, and now that he's dead, they're not going to get anything else. It's circumstantial again, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I think Dokes is still got the short end of the stick. Yeah. Realistically, so. mm. I mean, the, those fan sites will have a field day with the new theories. Yeah. Um, but one of the theories: yeah. this guy had a some druggie had a needle mark. Bay Harbor Butcher's still out there, you know, like, it's not, all, it's not uh, very strong. You can't no, even uh, prove that Dexter killed Matt, really. There's not yeah. any proper ev- evidence to that. Nope. I mean, no, because the, yeah, the, the setup theory is plausible. And where's Kurt? Yeah, exactly. I'll never find Kurt. It's, You've got it's, all those bodies. Is it, is yeah. that, that, I mean, Why did they, he run? They, yeah, I know we're getting into pure speculation mode, yeah. but really, Dexter's dying and nobody knows who he really was. Mm. Yeah. Apart from um, us. <clears throat> yeah you know i i would have liked to i mean i think he should have died one way or the other but it would have been nice like i kind of feel like instead of getting a you know batista at his home in miami answering a phone it should have been like angela brought batista in secretly and like all of a sudden she's like hey by the way i think you know this guy and he walks yeah. the door and like that would have been like oh shit yeah um that would, that would have been really him. nice I, I, I think one way or the other it needed to end with dexter dying um mm whether it's in the electric chair or the way it happened or whatever, I, th- I think he needed to die, but it would have been really nice to see some of that, that uh, those confrontations, the aftermath, I guess, play out. But yeah, what can you do? Yeah. What can you do? So we got the ending we did. Uh, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked through the episode start to finish. I think is, is are there any other points we've missed that, that any of you want to bring up? Let me look at my old man notes. I'd just just like to say that the season was a treat. It's something that we didn't think that we were going to get. It Mm. came as a total surprise when they announced it. And I'm really glad that we got it. I mean, although there's nitpicks here and there's nitpicks there, and um, you could do that with anything that you love. And it's only because we love it that we're actually doing it. And I think you said yourself to Scott when he was on your podcast, by the very nature of your podcast, we dissect this show. And it's only because we care about it so much. But... As a whole, I mean, I've looked, I've, I've looked forward to watching it every Sunday. It's been a real treat. It's been excellent, and it's been even, even better treat than part of this as well. Great meeting Nick um, and Travis, and listening to all the other uh, feedback. It's, it's been a real treat every week. Looking forward to the podcast as well. Um, So, really, just thankful for it all. To be honest. Thanks, Chris. I, uh, I second that. It's been. It's been a treat. It's. I, I still remember the day, the moment that I, this news broke that they were going to be doing this. And my phone like lighting up because people, my circle know how I feel about the show, whatever. And people were just blowing up my phone like, and I was like, y'all, y'all are fucking with me, right? Yeah. And, I, and then I looked, I was like, no way. One of the best just news drops that I've had in a long time. So to now have reached <laughs> the end of the cycle and it's it's over. It's kind of sad. It's bittersweet. But I've really enjoyed the opportunity. Um, you know, I've I've, I've enjoyed the other things that have strangely come along as opportunities throughout this whole thing going mm. to the premiere yeah um the showtime sent me one of those scripts for the first episode uh which was really cool i don't know it's just it's like i never i don't even know how the hell any of that happened but it did and i'm super thankful for it, <laughs> it just kind of makes this whole season just that much more special um 
so yeah I don't know. And being able to listen to the pod, like the moment I, I, I think I messaged you the day they made the announcement. I was like, Gareth, does this mean you're, is it coming back? Are you bringing it back? Uh, and here we are. I had, uh, I had a few messages like that. And um, I mean, I couldn't One not. One of the first thoughts I? I had. I couldn't thank you, but I couldn't not, could I? But when I saw it, I thought, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've said before, podcasting week to week, it's, it's great if I've got the time to sit down and watch the episode comfortably and make notes and then i need you know an hour or so to record uh and then you know another hour to 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 edit and 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 whatnot and it all takes time i have to read the emails listen to the voicemails make notes in response record etc and it takes time and and depending on what's going with work and family it can be quite pressured to to squeeze it in and so my first thought was thinking logistically. I mean, in principle, yeah, why wouldn't I want to podcast about another season of Dexter? You betcha. But then I'm thinking the logistics. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. How am I going to find time yeah. for this? Well, but I think we're I all have, glad you, you, have. you figured it out. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 worked. Um, and and I'm, I'm glad it has because it's it's been my most enjoyable season of, of podcasting. And it's you know, we're not quite not quite over. Um but uh, you know we're done as far as reviewing new new episodes, but it, it's it's been fantastic and and honestly it's it's the community and you know you you guys that that have made it that that make it fun. It's it's the interaction with with everybody that um that that makes this so personally rewarding. That's that's all I need is is just knowing that people are listening and enjoying it and and responding. It was fun. I liked it. And I think the only finale that would make everybody happy, season one finale. You all remember that? Dexter, <laughs> the parade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. That, that you know? was a good job. They, they kind of did a little homage to that in episode four. Right. Uh, with, with Deb's little, like, that, that, yeah, was, that was really nice. Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to kind of, I didn't realize you were going to do that top five moments thing. I'm looking forward to kind of, like, trying to decide. Because I think there were a lot of really awesome standout moments. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, I do want to kind of end by saying that, like, I think because obviously there's a lot of passionate <laughs> people out there right now who are upset. Um, I do think time will treat this finale better than season eight. Yeah, uh, it's not perfect. And, you know, those people are probably there's a lot of people that are probably always going to be unhappy about it. But give it time. I think like Chris said at the beginning, like give it time. And I think people will mostly look back on this. Uh, positively i think yeah. it's just so the, the wound is so fresh right now for a lot of people um yeah it's gonna have to push through that yeah yeah i mean every, everyone's entitled to to their opinion your your gut reaction is you know is, is fair enough um and like you say with a bit of a bit of time bit of space maybe listening to what maybe listening to podcasts reading reviews and just hearing other people's thoughts can help uh help make sense of your own thoughts um i i don't know if um it, it sounds like you, uh, chris you and travis are, seem to be quite aligned with um what you liked and what you particularly didn't like about this great episode. minds think alike do, <laughs> do uh has, has talking about it here changed any of that are you still pretty much where you were before no i i think it's great to listen to other people's opinions and i think not that you're swayed by other people's opinions, but it makes you come at things from a different perspective and a different point of view. And I think that's why I mentioned it earlier, that subsequent rewatches and as time passes and you view something as a whole, 
you'll, you'll feel differently about it. And although there were parts I didn't like about the finale, overall it's massive thumbs up for me. I mean, it really mm. is. I mean, it was it was a, it was a great um, a great reward and something that I really didn't think that we were we were ever going to get again. So um, you know, yeah. Uh, for me, just put, really just look at the positive side of things. And I think, yeah, there has been things um, tonight from Nick and yourself and Travis that, that have made me go, okay, I didn't really think about it like that. I maybe missed that. I didn't pay mm. attention to, to, to that, that piece of dialogue. Uh, you know, and that will continue as, as time goes on for yeah. me. So, yeah. yeah. I'm maybe really looking forward to watching this as like a... Like, I'm going to wait a couple months and maybe when the DVD comes out, which is in March, maybe... I'm looking forward to just kind of watching it all like back to back and just see how it feels as like a collective thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Let me tell you, going back to watching shows week to week after years of basically binge watching stuff, <laughs> especially with one of my what I consider to be my favorite favorite shows of all time was real rough. <laughs> that was torture <laughs> like that week long. Yeah. Luckily, between the, the wrap up and dissecting Dexter, like. It makes the whole makes the wait for it from week to week that much uh, easier to swallow, I suppose. It does, and and the binge the binge model it it doesn't lend itself to having that dialogue with people, does it? And having the conversation yeah. and 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 it's all part of the experience, isn't it? I mean, I, we've talked about this before, that, that, you know, the binge versus week to week. Um, you, you miss out on all that, and 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 it's 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 a large part of the fun isn't it yeah. getting involved and man and... can you imagine like waiting a year for this thing and then like getting it all in a day and then being like that's it all right now what yeah <laughs> uh, yeah like part of me wanted that but part of me is also like no no you gotta you gotta savor it you gotta stretch it out enjoy it while it lasts yeah uh, it's a dying breed a show like yeah. this where you, where you wait week to week you don't we're just not going to get it anymore um yeah I, I think some some shows will give you three and then it'll be week to week but like you said, Nick, part of the fun was oh, re-watching the episode. What are my thoughts? What am I going to um, send in to Gareth? Listen to the wrap-up podcast. And before you know it, you were at Sunday again. So mm. although it was a weekend at times, you were like, oh, at the end of an episode, you just want to see the next one. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was like yeah. going back in time a wee bit almost to the, the week-to-week thing. So, yeah, again, just really grateful um, for it. It's been, it's been brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. good times. Good times. I, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Okay, so I think we've I think we've kind of done done the episode. Uh, well, I hope we've done it done it justice. Um, thank you, thank you guys for for joining me tonight and uh, and sharing your thoughts. And uh, I think we've we've had some good good conversation and, and hit all the hopefully hit all the key points that people want to hear us talk about um we've got the feedback podcast coming up uh, after the weekend so if there's time for this to drop people to hear it and then think oh you didn't cover this so if we've done that then um firstly i apologize uh but email in if there's something that you you still want addressing and and i'll do my best to respond on the feedback show next week um and then yeah we'll do a we'll do a top five moments of 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 new blood uh, in a couple of weeks time so uh, please send in your your nominations and uh, and we'll have some fun with that uh, very soon for now um i, I don't know if uh, nick do you want to uh, tell people where they can find you um your, your work your your podcast 
Uh, yeah, sure. I, I'm the host of Four Player Podcast. If you're if you're into video games, uh, you can find us at fourplayernetwork.com. Um, our last episode, which dropped this week, we cover, we went over about over 150 games that are supposed to come out in 2022. So, you know, we talk, we go pretty in depth about all kinds of video games. So check that out. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at your host, Nick. Uh, Travis, you've got your, you've still got your website with animation uh, and stuff. Uh, haven't you? Yeah, I like animate and I got a freelance job supposed to come up soon. I don't know. You know, you know, people are, they tell you, yeah, yeah I got, so, I got a job for you. I'll tell you about it next week. Mm. Anyway, uh, travisshefflin.com or youtube.com slash travisshefflin. It's like a hobby, whatever. Yeah. It's all, it's, I, it's all good. Yeah, I, I wish, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It's not, if you got a job, if you, if you love my voicemails and you think I need a cowboy for my commercial for dog food or beer or something, I'll, I'll be your huckleberry. You know, that was, that's my, <laughs> That's my demo tape right there. Podcast parodies a speciality. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and 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 Chris, um, you're you're on Twitter. What, what's do you want to? I don't know if you want to share your handle. If you I'm, not. I'm really. I'm not. I don't know if I'm worth following. To be honest, I'm just a normal guy who just is happy to be here. I'm a I'm a school teacher by day, Dexter obsessive um, by night. Excellent guys. Thanks. Thanks, thanks again. again. So. Um, yeah, so the, the email address, if you want to get in touch, it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, that's it for the review. We'll be back um, in a few days' time to dissect some more Dexter together through the medium of feedback. Uh, so something to look forward to, hopefully. Um, until then, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you soon. Cheers. Adios. Bye for now.